Welcome back, everyone, to the Damage Counter Podcast. You got Phelan over here. And Josh over here. And uh, this is your bi-weekly uh, Pokemon TCG podcast. We talk about all kinds of things, product, collecting, tournaments, metagaming, all that fun stuff. And uh, we're also the podcast that apologizes for missing <laughs> missing our last episode two weeks ago. We just, uh, you know, both of us had real life shenanigans kind of get in the way and, you know, it happens, so... Uh, it is what it is. We'd missed that episode, but we're back with this one. I want to say it's episode 30. I didn't look at the numbers and I don't really care to, I'll be honest. Uh, 30 sounds right to me. It's like 30 or 31. One of, one of the two. Yeah, somewhere in there. We're close. Yeah, we're, we're absolutely close. Uh, just a little disclaimer before we begin. We are recording a little bit earlier than usual. Um, so... Uh, that, that's just because I have a business trip coming up and I'm not going to be like, we usually uh, record like our new segment last, just a little bit behind the scenes for y'all. The last segment we usually record is the new segment. Uh, just that way we can get as much news crammed into the segment as possible. Uh, we're recording a little bit earlier than usual and still launching on Thursday. So, uh, you know, there might be some new stories that have come out between our current recording time and, uh, you know, when this goes live, that maybe some news stories have dropped. If that's the case, we do apologize. Just wanted to throw that little disclaimer out there. Uh, and that also goes for, like, uh, all the all the tournaments that are basically... there's like, I think there's, like, five tournaments happening this weekend. There's um, the Sydney Regionals, uh, Fort Wayne Regionals. There's a Champions League going on in Japan. I think there's other events happening as well. A lot of tournament action going on this weekend that... Uh, we're not going to be able to cover because we're recording a little bit earlier, but again, I just want to throw that little disclaimer out there. So, uh, let's go ahead and get started then. Josh, my man, how you been doing? I mean, I've been doing pretty good, you know. Been working a lot lately, like you said. I've been having some shenanigans come up and been pretty busy lately. But uh, I've been doing pretty good. Been really excited with Scarlet and Violet coming out. Uh, I've been looking forward to this set for a while. It's kind of renewed my interest in actually playing Pokemon. You know what I mean? I wouldn't say that I was, like, completely uh, in tathers over last format and what we've been dealing with, but it it was really killing my drive to play the game, I'm going to be honest. Yeah, you're it, definitely not the only one. Uh, you know, I, I'd pull up on, like, you know, because, uh, you know, we were having to get to the point where we had to migrate to Pokemon TCG Live, so I'd hop on live, do the dailies to try to get that account you know, resourced up so I could build decks and stuff. But like, I would, I would like get on, I would lazily get through the dailies. And then the moment I met the objective, I'd like concede the game. Cause I'm like, dude, I'm just so sick of this format. We've been playing it for like <laughs> nearly six months at this point. It's just like, dude, I, yeah, I feel you. I feel you. It, yeah. it was hard to bring myself to even like get online just to play it, it you know? It was getting really rough there for a bit, I'm not going to lie, especially because uh, I am primarily an online player for the most part, and let me tell you, dude, it's been nothing but Lugias for months now. Yeah. It's been <laughs> such a slog playing online. Like, I even stopped uh, spending my tokens on PTCGO, because I've actually been pretty much exclusively playing on that. I actually only migrated my account uh, today, <laughs> like we were talking about earlier. So I finally switched over to live, and I'm getting into playing that now. But up till this point, it's been PTCGO, and man, I like I stopped spending my coins to like enter tournaments and stuff because you would just go in there, 
and then like it's ninety eight percent Lugias, maybe a couple like Lost Zone decks, maybe one guy or two guys, you know, playing something a little more creative. But man, <laughs> it's just been very boring. I hate to say it. Yeah, lots of Lugia, lots of Lost Zone box, lots of Mew as well. Especially recently, Mew has just gotten extremely popular. So. It- it's just like a lot of toxic gatekeepy type stuff, and it's just like, ugh, get me out of yeah. here. Yeah, but I mean, anyway, you know, Scarlet and Violet's out now. Uh, I'm very excited about this. I feel like the game is really interesting right now to play. I feel like there's a lot of people experimenting. I've seen some pretty interesting decks just uh, so far. I'm kind of sitting back. I'm not going to lie, I'm just playing Giratina. <laughs> I'm kind of sitting back and just playing Giratina until... Uh, I kind of see where the format looks like it's going to go once we get a couple tournaments and stuff under our belt before I do anything paper-wise. So, uh, but I am excited. It's There's a lot of stuff I do want to build. Obviously, I'm building Gardevoir. I, I'm pretty interested in Mirrodon. I'm, I've been kind of going back and forth on that one if I want to build it. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, but, there's, uh, there's a lot to experiment with. I think we were, we were looking at some ongoing online tournaments before we hopped on here and even though the community has widely agreed that like Giratina and Lawson Box are you know the best decks in the format that online tournament had more people playing Miraidon, more people playing Gardevoir you know because there's yeah, new I cards think... people want to experiment with them and they're quite good in their own yeah, right, I think, so I think people are really excited for EXs uh I think V stars and V maxes I mean, we, we all know what they do. We all know kind of how they work. I think people are really interested to dig into this new format with the EXs and stuff and see what they can really do. I've seen some interesting stuff so far. The only EX that I really think is pretty much dog water every time that I've played against it is Arcanine EX. I just... It's, I it's not great. <laughs> I understand that I've probably been running into it a decent amount on there because it is one of the free decks that you get when you... Uh, start playing live it's one of the free ex decks they give you but man it just i don't i don't feel like that deck really does anything i feel like that deck's playing such a like an old kind of game it's just build up swing for big damage build up swing for big big damage and while not bad i just think it can't do that fast as fast as a lot of these other decks can get set up right now so yeah i absolutely agree and uh yeah, I, I I don't I don't have very high opinions of Arcanine <laughs> in the slightest, which is a shame. Cause, I mean, Arcanine's a cool Pokemon, you know, and it it is one of the first Terrastal EX Pokemon, and that's you know that's worth something, I guess. But like, it just is, it's just not good. Yeah, it, it's just not there. But you know, uh, I'm excited. I've got some pretty strong opinions so far. I think already. We'll get into that more with our main discussion. Uh, how have you been? What have you been up to in our last... What has it been? Three weeks? Is it three uh, weeks since the last episode, technically? Well, by, at the time of recording, yes. At the time of upload, it's like a month, so... It could be about a month, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, either way. Uh, yeah, if y'all listened to the last episode, y'all know that I moved recently, so I got all nice and set up in the... Well, I don't want to say nice and set up. We got our stuff moved into the new place, so... Uh, we're chilling out over here, uh, enjoying it. It's... Um, uh, it it's bigger than our last place, and that's important. So, <laughs> um, but I've also been doing a lot of live streaming recently, and I've I've come to realize that this has been like a sleeper habit that I didn't know I have. Every time I move, I start live streaming. <laughs> 
I don't understand why I do it, but every time I move to a new apartment, you know, I get I get moved in, I set up my desk, I'm like, I'm gonna live stream, I, I'm gonna hop on Twitch, you know. Uh, so I just find it funny, but I've you know I've been doing a lot of that. I live streamed some Scarlet and Violet, got the seven star Samurott raid boss recently. Uh, I've been streaming some Pokemon TCG live. I, I'm sorry, I have to interrupt you. I could not get anybody with like a halfway decent brain to help me out with that. Every time I tried to get that Samurott, dude, I don't know what it is. It's like well, people have no common sense in Pokemon. Well, welcome to seven star raids. <laughs> Dude, Unless you're going in with, like, a group of friends or, like, a team that, like, knows what they're doing, you are going to get... The the randos are always bad. Every time. Yeah. Yeah, I know. With my new position at work, I end up having to work, like, two pretty late shifts every week. So, you know, I'm at... And this might have had a little bit to do with it. So, you know, I'm at home alone. I don't get home till around midnight. And there's... I always require a couple hours to fall to sleep. So, you know... The other night, I was like, I'm going to try to get the Samurai. <laughs> I was about screaming, dude. I'm not going to lie. I was losing my mind. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've had some pretty bad, some pretty bad randos and raids. Um, I think the first attempt I had, oh, geez. The first attempt I had on Samurai, somebody brought something that was just ridiculous, and I don't remember what yeah. it was, but uh, yeah, it basically yeah. just lost us the whole raid. I think it was like a Garchomp, actually, which was you know, not particularly great into the, into that raid, but either way, um, managed to get it on the second try. I got like really lucky on the randos for once and had at least like, I actually know all those randos were actually pretty good. So I got really lucky on the, on the second go around, but, uh, most of the time that usually takes me like an hour <laughs> to, to try to get yeah, it with I, randos. I was going to say it took me five attempts before I got it with randos. It took like an hour and a half. I was yeah. not, I was not very happy. <laughs> yeah it's definitely a different ballpark uh so that that's my recommendation for anybody that hasn't gotten samurai yet uh well i mean if, if you're listening to this episode you have to wait until actually no it, it should come back around today uh if you're listening to this by the time we release it should come around for a second round today so if you're going for samurai uh just come on just try to get a team try not to do it with randos it's uh it's rough but stream yeah, that or- got samurai um Stream some live, you know, migrated my account. Uh, live is still dog water, but it's the only way to play Scarlet and Violet cards, so it is what it is. Um, also did a post-rotation tier list on the live stream, and that will be uh, uh, that'll be getting uploaded today, actually. So that is going to go up alongside today's episode of the podcast. Uh, a bit of bonus content for you to go along with our main discussion uh, later at the top of the show when we talk about the post-rotation metagame. So stay tuned for that. And then once you're done listening to the podcast, maybe head on over to the YouTube channel. Check out my tier list that I made on my live stream. Had a little bit of help from chat. Uh, so definitely, definitely good stuff there. I, I will warn you, it is going to be a long video. I went very, very in-depth on that tier list. Uh, don't... He, and that's like a personal thing, by the way. Like, I hate watching, like, other people's tier list videos and they get it done in, like, 15 minutes. And they're like, yeah, this is bad, don't play this, this is bad, don't play this. And, like, they stop and they, like, or, you know, they keep going and they don't explain it. And that, like, tilts me. Yeah, no, if you're going to say something's bad or good, I want to know why it's that thing yeah, is you, bad like, or good. You gotta, you, gotta, you gotta tell people why you think that. You gotta have the, that discussion, right? Like... So, fair warning, that will be a bit of a long tier list video, but uh, 
if if you're looking for some of the down and dirty details of my thoughts on the metagame, definitely check that out. Uh, yeah, though, uh, we're finally in post-rotation format. Thank God. Um, Thank God. <laughs> yeah, I, I can play Arceus again and not feel terrible about it because uh, Arceus is actually pretty good in this format, thankfully. But So got a little bit of that going on at the locals. Um, I think final thing, uh, just on my end, before uh, you know we get into the podcast proper, uh, you know, my, my local community has agreed to like, since like the tournament structure has kind of like changed at our local game store, they used to do tournaments on Sunday mornings, but now it's just kind of like a free play type deal. You just kind of show up and it's like a casual thing, you know, no charge or anything like that. Uh, so I, you know, I, I reached out to my community. I was like, Hey, how about we just host our own brackets on Sunday mornings and we can do alternate formats. You know, a lot of people have been wanting to play gym leader challenge or expanded or maybe even retro you know, so a lot of people have been, uh, you know, they, they've shown interest in that, but the store has never really like acted on it. So I was like, you know what, since we don't have tournaments on Sundays anymore, if anybody's interested, you know, I'll start hosting some of those. And I've got this, you know, a little bit of a calendar. So we've got like expanded, we've got GLC, we've got retro formats all planned out. So looking forward to that. Hopefully I have some good stories for y'all, uh, in the upcoming weeks with all that kind of good stuff. But, uh, yeah, uh, aside from the move, that's uh, that's about it for me. So uh, how about we go ahead and jump into our card of the day segment. Josh, could you name a more iconic card for standard format right now? Uh, <clears throat> I don't think so, and that's partially why uh, I picked it. Yeah, Radiant Greninja, probably one of... Easily one of the most played cards in our current standard format. Just overall an amazing card. I mean, if you've been playing in standard for a while now, you have seen uh, this radiant uh, black frog chilling out on your bench, chilling out on your opponent's bench. What a wonderful card. We have Radiant Greninja today in our card of the day segment. Our first Radiant Pokemon for the segment. That's fun. Yeah, it definitely is. I, uh, I've been holding on to this one for a minute. Like I told you, I, I'm honestly surprised that uh, no one else brought it up or it hasn't come up before now. Because, I mean, right, like you said, it's just it's had such an impact on the standard format. Yeah, it's such a ubiquitous card. Like, so many decks would love to play this card. You know, there are some decks that, like, maybe pick a different Radiant, like Radiant Gardevoir, for example, for, like, the damage reduction. Which, you know, in certain certain decks, that's very favorable the radiant charizard for a great late game attacker but more often than not i hear people being like man i really wish i could just have radiant greninja <laughs> <You know? laughs> because it's just it's, so good that that is kind of a i call it the the earlier like rcs problem where v stars were first coming out you know there's a lot of you know there's a couple other radiant pokemon a couple other v stars but it's like why, why would I play that when I could just play Arceus and, and uh, Starbirth? You know what I mean? It's yeah. like Radiant Pokemon. It's like, why, why wouldn't I just concealed cards? It's it's such a good ability that it's kind of hard to uh, <laughs> beat it. So I'm going to go ahead and go over the ability so y'all know what we're talking about. If you don't know what Radiant Greninja is. So the ability is called Concealed Cards, and you must discard an energy card from your hand in order to use this ability. Once during your turn, you may draw two cards. So, I mean, that's pretty crazy. That's a minus one energy for two for 
two cards into potentially what you need or an option into what you need. And uh, this card has some synergy with good old scoop up net. Yeah, I was I was gonna say it, it seems like a very low key, very unsuspecting ability on the surface. Obviously, a plus two off of an ability is really good, especially because a lot of decks are a lot of decks are playing their energy out of the discard these days. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, we have a lot blocks. of options. Yeah, there's a lot of options right now to get energy back from your discard. So. Yeah, this is like... zone box playing things like Clara, an ordinary rod to shuffle it back in. You have decks playing Melanie to accelerate it from the discard pile, things of that nature, right? So, a lot of times having having the energy discarded is pretty good for a lot of decks. And then, of course, you get that extra consistency. You draw two, but like you said, scoop up net is really what takes it over the top because you could pick up the Radiant Greninja, put it back into your hand because it's not a V, it's not a GX, so you can pick it up a scoop up net comes back to your hand, you can just bench it again and go, hey, that's a new Radiant Greninja, I'll conceal cards again. And that formed, that was basically, like, it's such a good ability that it formed the backbone of the Turbo Engine. This is how we saw things like Turbo Palkia come to light, Turbo Dialga, uh, I guess more recently Turbozation V-Star. It was like, okay, we have a bunch of Mew from Celebrations, we have the Radiant Greninja, let's abuse Scoop Up Net. Use them as many times yes. as possible. Look through our deck, and I mean, you could argue the Lost Zone engine does the same thing, obviously, but, I mean, you know, it's draw two, scoop up net, draw two, scoop up net, draw it's, two. <laughs> it's very, very good. Uh, two of those three decks you just mentioned, I played using this great ninja, scoop up net engine, and, man, let me tell you, when you do, like... When you drop Radiant Greninja like three separate times in one turn and draw six extra cards, you're feeling pretty good about yourself. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Oh, yeah. When you're just like absolutely flying through the deck this way, it's, yeah, it's it's pretty nuts. Yeah, it's definitely a lot of fun. I do want to, we should probably cover what Radiant Pokemon are just in case we have new listeners. That's true. Yeah, so Radiant Pokemon were introduced in the Sword and Shield era starting at Astral Radiance. Uh, the whole idea behind Radiant Pokemon is that you can't have more than one Radiant Pokemon in your deck. So if you have Radiant Greninja, that's it. You have one copy of that and nothing else. You can't run a Radiant Heatran, a Radiant Halucha. No, it's just the one Radiant Greninja, and that's it. So these Radiant cards are typically, they're basic Pokemon as well, despite you know their evolutionary stage canonically. They're built to be, you know, rather powerful support cards or attacking cards to make up for the fact that you can only run one copy. And uh, Greninja is often considered to be the best... I, I, I won't even say often, is always considered to be the best Radiant Pokemon by a long shot. Being able to have some consistency and a pretty insane attack in Moonlight Shuriken for two water and a colorless energy. You discard two energy from this Pokemon and this attack does 90 damage to two of your opponent's Pokemon. That is basically just rapid flow light. Pretty crazy when you think about it. It's pretty crazy, and uh, honestly, from my playing of Radiant Greninja, it, if you're playing with water energy, it comes into play. Like It's more of a viable option than you would consider it at first. I've actually it's taken so quite good. a few games. Yeah, I've taken quite a few games with a good old Moonlight shirt again. Yeah, because if your opponent decides to disrespect it and like not play Manaphy, then like... You know, you can snipe out two Comfes, you can snipe out some Sobbles, some Drizziles, you know, like those support Pokemon. But it, 
surprisingly, it's also actually very efficient at setting up KOs for like V maxes and V stars. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I've had situations like I, you know, I, I think longtime listeners of the show will probably know that I'm a big fan of like playing flying Pikachu in decks. And if you've got a flying Pikachu, like chilling on the bench, right? Like, it's, you know, if you're playing a deck that can't like take the one shot on it, like maybe, uh, maybe like Palkia, Palkia is a perfect example. Palkia can't really take a one shot on flying Pikachu. So in a lot of scenarios, what they'll do is that they'll use the Greninja to snipe it for 90 to set it up. That way, the Flying Pikachu player then has to think, okay, well, if I'd send up the Pikachu to try to take a KO on a Palkia or something, it, it's in one-shot range if I if I don't watch my bench, right? So the math fixing on Moonlight Shuriken, you know, obviously it's great for taking out the one prizers, like I said, but, you know, the math fixing on, like, three prizers and two prizers is... Uh, arguably more valuable in my opinion uh yeah definitely i mean it's it's a very good attack honestly yeah especially because just like dude there's so many ways to like to get this into play like water water colorless on a non-v pokemon might sound a little Mm -hmm. awkward but you got things like star portal so you can get that going in one turn for one turn in a palkia deck in our current standard format, we still have Frostmoth, so you can just Ice Dance to it. We're going to be losing Frostmoth in standard rotation, so if that's a combo you want to do, maybe get your reps in now. But <laughs> And of course you have Mirage Gate, too, which makes this a very viable attacker in things like Giratina and Lost Zone Box. You just attach a water, Mirage Gate water and grass or something, you know, and yeah. boom, you got a Moonlight <laughs> Shuriken ready to go. It is so scary, dude. And mm-hmm. like... For a couple of those, you could just be like, oh, you didn't knock out my Greninja? Cool, I'll just do it again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you get two Moonlight Turtikins off, that's like, Ooh. that's insane. Yeah. Because you yeah. basically, yeah, you've just done a 180 damage to their board. Yeah, it's it's insane. But uh, another reason why we wanted to cover this is this is actually, I mean, we're, obviously it's a really good card in standard format, but it's only going to get better after rotation because while yes we do lose scoop up nets you're not going to be able to do the you know bench conceal cards scoop up net bench conceal cards you know you're not going to be able to do it multiple times a turn uh like you can currently but the fact of the matter is after rotation we're losing quite a bit of consistency cards right we're going to lose quick ball we're going to lose crobat uh you know these are some very popular onboard or Crobat being a very popular onboard draw Pokemon, Quick Ball allowing you to very easily go get it, things of that nature, right? Radiant Greninja is one of the few ways we have to consistently draw a few extra cards every turn after rotation, and it just... I've I've done some research on this, I've done some testing, and I've listened to people that have been playing in Japan, and they're like, dude, this card is like essential for so many decks. Like, like the extra draw power it provides actually makes that much more of a difference <laughs> because there's just a little bit less consistency in the format after rotation. Yeah, and, and it's well, it's like you always like to say, consistency is king, so. Yeah, absolutely, and especially as we shift towards more evolving EX Pokemon, you know, they got to evolve from these squishy basic one-prizers, you know. Moonlight Shuriken also provides more value that way as well, so... Uh, I mean, 
that's another reason why we wanted to cover this because it's like if you don't have a copy of this card just one you only need one you're gonna have to pass between a few decks i guess but you only need one uh you should uh definitely get your hands on one because this is going to be an extremely it's already an extremely playable card and it's going to continue to be basically probably until it rotates let's be real (laughs) oh definitely like if I'm building a deck, just trying something out, or if I'm just kind of playing around, and I need a Radiant Pokemon to put in my deck, I always just go, I'm just going to put Radiant Greninja in here. It'll be fine. It's just got to be Greninja, man. Like I said, like, not every deck is going to, like, you know, Lugia, you know, doesn't yeah. want to be discarding energies and stuff like that. And, you know, you know, you need to take that into account in your deck building. But, you know, if if you look at your deck, you're like, well, I don't really care if energy's in the discard pile or not, or if you have ways to recover energy if it is. Always go, always go, Greninja. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, it's good. I mean, I love the rate. I love the idea of the radiant Pokemon in general. It's I know Pokemon. Such a cool mechanic. Yeah, I know they've done that this mechanic a few times with a couple different names, but I don't know. I really love the idea of like these powerful uh, cards that you can only have a single copy of in your deck. Because like I don't know, they're just always really cool. Because you know they make them like you said powerful and interesting because of the fact that they're handicapped to one. So it's always just cool to see what you can do with them. Well, it's also a very interesting way to portray like shiny Pokemon yeah. in the in the card game because I mean, yeah, I mean as we all know, if we played the video game, you know that shiny Pokemon are incredibly rare. And so if you have like a card that you know, they do like the shiny volt, like shining fates or hidden fates or whatever, right? If I got like a playset of shiny Sylveon GX, so, I mean that's cool, but like you know, shiny Pokemon are kind of supposed to be rare. It kind of mm-hmm. kind of diminishes that value if you have a place at a shiny Pokemon, at least in my opinion. So portraying shiny Pokemon as a, hey, you can only have one in your deck. Like, that's just, thematically speaking, that is just so cool, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I'd agree. It is, it's always interesting to me, with Pokemon in particular, how they find ways to kind of connect themselves back to the VGC. Yeah, you'd be surprised. It happens more frequently than I think people realize. And it's just my favorite thing when I can sniff those out and be like, hey, let's see what they did there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Radiant Greninja. Such a good card. I think that's going to cover it uh, for our card of the day. Uh, this is probably one of the more playable cards we've we've looked at on card of the day in, in a while, honestly. Um, we've had a lot of... Uh, a lot of fan favorites, a lot of nostalgia picks uh, from viewer submissions. So, uh, you know, we, we've got a, we got a playable one here. And, you know, artwork is pretty good, too. I do like it. He's chilling on the rock. He's just like, you know what? Let me take a little bit of a break here. <laughs> I, I do. Yeah, I do really enjoy this artwork. I would I would love to get some crazy alt art for Radiant Greninja. A trainer gallery would be Could insanely cool. Could you imagine cool. if they did that? Oh, my God. I, uh, that card would be so expensive. <laughs> I, I would spend the money, honestly. Because yeah. you would only need, you know, you like you said, you would one. only need one. <laughs> it's it's easy to switch. I mean, it's always annoying having to switch cards, but one you card's should. easy enough to deal with. I would be willing to deal with that for, like, a crazy uh, trainer art gallery, <laughs> like Radiant Greninja. Oh, what could have been, I guess. Mm-hmm. I know. There's, there's still hope, in my opinion. <laughs> fair enough, fair <laughs> Maybe enough. Maybe not for a trainer gallery, but for some kind of crazy alternate art. <laughs> Well, I think we did. Uh, I think we did get that like big, massive X and Y collection, like 
quite a bit after like X and Y was done printing cards. So I don't know. I mean, assuming assuming that timeline is correct, I suppose I suppose they could do it again. So who yeah. knows? Who knows? That's gonna cover it for our card of the day, Radiant Greninja. Such a great card. Love to love to talk about. It. We'll have to cover more Radiance in the future. That's just such a cool, such a cool mechanic in the TCG. Certainly one of my favorites. But let us know what yeah. you think. Hit us up on Twitter at Damage Counter, Damage Counter Podcast at gmail.com if you prefer email, or head on over to our community Discord where the conversation is always ongoing with us and with other members of our community. We're talking about Shiny Cardboard in there all the time. Links to that are in the description below. And all as always, if you have a Pokemon card that you love or really enjoy and want us to go over it here on the podcast, uh, feel free to send it our way. We'd love to talk about it. Like I always say, the only stipulation is it has to be an official Pokemon card. But besides that, uh, we don't care. We want to hear what your favorite card is. Yeah, we'd love to. We'd love to gush about your favorite card. Be it the artwork, be it its playability, be it a great story for you. We'd love to hear it. So hit us up at any of those uh, any of those avenues of communication that I mentioned before. Hit us up. Let us know. But in the meantime, it's time for some news. We've had some translations come about. But there's still some interesting news to talk about in quite a few regionals that happen, so let's talk about it. Okay, so we got a little bit of everything in the news roundup for y'all today. Some products, some translations, and uh, some uh, stories about tournaments and stuff like that. So uh, let's go ahead and get into this. Uh, first, a little bit of product I want to go over here are the Paldea Legends tins. Uh, these are... Uh, tins that are featuring Miraidon EX and Koridon EX as promo cards. Uh, these are going to retail for $26.99. Again, the Scarlet and Violet era does mark uh, an increase on sealed product pricing. Uh, you know, just that, that, that was something that was announced prior. They're like, hey, starting with Scarlet and Violet, we're kind of going to up the price on it. So these used to go for like $19.99, maybe like $24.99, somewhere in that ballpark. Uh, they've kind of been raised up a couple dollars, so keep that in mind. Um, n- lately, I've been a lot more picky with like the product that I've been bringing to the show, um, and I think had this been like previous sets, like from Sword and Shield or anything like that, I probably wouldn't have talked about these. But I did want to bring these up specifically because there is a Miraidon EX ten. Uh, Miraidon EX is one of the most playable cards from the new Scarlet and Violet set. It's got a lot of hype behind it. So if you're looking to build the Miraidon EX deck, this might actually help you out a lot. And these promo artworks are really cool, actually. I think I think I might honestly prefer these over what comes in the set. At least at at, at the very least, I prefer it for Kuraidon. Yeah, I I actually like both of these fairly well. And I do I kind of like dismiss the tins usually, but I always do like tins here at the release of a new like set like Scarlet and Violet, because, you know, there's not a lot of new Pokemon yet in the format, so this is a good way of being able to get a hold of some of these EXs. Like you said, the Mirrodon EX is insanely good just to be able to get from a 10. So, I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. And this is normally, like, something where it's like, yeah, this is probably your best shot, unless, like, you like your blind luck in packs, but, like... I think, like, this go-around for Scarlet and Violet, like, if you can't get a hold of these tins, like, you should be fine, because 
We're recording this on Friday, the day the set comes out. If I go on TCG Player right now, I can get me ride-ons for like five bucks, which... Yeah. I mean, if you remember back when Sword and Shield came out, Zacian V was like $20, <laughs> like on release some some like and it would kind of like go up and down between like 20 and 30 dollars for a while there mm-hmm. um it's kind of ridiculous but miraidon is not having that problem which by the way the pool rates in scarlet and violet are fantastic by the way so if you're worried about not being able to get a card don't be uh you know like the secret illustrator rare miriam is already like 85 dollars uh which is kind of nuts that the mm-hmm. card is tanked that much in value and it's only like release day at this point, like at the time of recording. Uh, so I don't think anybody's going to have to worry about getting the cards they want to play for decks like we've had to kind of worry about in the past. But still, it's an alternate option. Um, these typically end up being a lot cheaper than what comes in the set anyway. So if you want to save yourself even more money, there you go. Now for our other bit of product... It is that time of year again, Josh. This is one of my favorite yearly products, and I'm glad it's making another another go around this time. We have the Trainer's Toolkit 2023. It has been revealed. Uh, these previously in the past have come with incredibly strong cards and like 100 plus trainer cards, like two copies of each. Um, great for getting into the game, great for getting a bunch of staples. In the past, they've had uh, Dedenne GX's promos, and they provide two, Crobat V, Luminion V. You know, those are all the promos they've included in the past, always as uh, two copies. This go-around, they're taking a bit of a different approach. They are... The promos for this toolkit is a 1-1 Arceus V-Star, and it is uh, brand new artwork. We've never seen this artwork before, uh, so it's pretty interesting. Uh, funnily enough, the promotional scan for the V-Star has a misprint on it. It says Trinity Nova does 120 plus damage when it just uh. does 200 straight. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'm not really sure how they messed that up. Uh, if you look at the product image, like with the box, you can just barely see that the box has the card printed correctly. So I imagine the final product will not have this misprint, but it's still funny to me that they let this slip. Yeah, that's pretty funny, honestly. Now, these are going to be launching on June 9th for $34.99. Again, it's going to be coming with all this kind of useful stuff, uh, more than 50 cards, uh, all of which are you know going to be really useful trainer or special energy cards, uh, brick of special energy, four booster packs, 65 sleeves, which are probably going to be terrible quality. Just keep that in mind. Uh, Six dice, uh, larger coin flip dice, uh, condition markers, a V-Star marker, and of course a code that you can use to redeem the product on Pokemon TCG Live. Um, despite the price increase and despite the awkwardness that is a 1-1 Arceus V-Star line, because let's be honest, a 1-1 Arceus V-Star is not as immediately useful as, say, 2 Luminion or 2 Crobat, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I am still going to march forward with my recommendation of get two of these uh, because you will have, if you buy two of these, you'll have a 2-2 Arceus V-Star line, which you can realistically use in a deck. Um, And then you'll have a play set of all the trainers and special energy that come in this, all of which are going to be playable in some form or fashion. Uh, So I would highly, highly recommend grabbing two of these. I'm going to be grabbing two of these, even if it could just end up me getting a whole bunch of cards I already own. I don't care. The more trainers, the better. I build a lot. So, um, yeah, no, I'm just happy to see this product make a, make a return. 
definitely the uh, trainer's toolkits is like you said it's one of my favorite products in pokemon just like the self fact of like those hundred uh, cards that you get that help you out with all those trainer cards and whatnot these are great if you're someone that builds multiple decks it's super super nice to just have like two of these on hand because it saves you from a lot of card switching between decks because you're like oh you know i need a couple extra i don't know ultra balls or something it's like let me just go to my trainer toolkit and grab them you know it, it makes building decks a lot easier just to have these on hand yeah without a doubt and you know you get a, you get a 1-1 Arceus V-Star I know that's that's a big benefit for me because Arceus V-Star is one of my favorite cards uh, and it'll be nice to have some different artwork for it I do like the V not like super big on the V-Star I'll be honest but like the V I actually do kind of enjoy a lot so pretty cool stuff definitely now that's going to do it for our product this week we do have a few translations um now, in our absence, uh, you know, missing the episode that would have gone up two weeks ago, uh, there have been a ton of translations. Uh, our second set, Paldea Evolved, has been officially announced. Uh, this is going to be combined of cards from Japan's Triple Beat set, which featured Quaquavel, uh, Meowskarata, and Skeletor's EX, as well as a large portion of their Snowburst or uh, Snow Hazard and Clayburst sets, uh, which feature the uh, the Ruinous Quartet, or, you know, the, the legendary Ruinous Pokemon, Wo Qian, Qiyu, Qian Pao, and Ting Lu EX. A lot of these translations have come about, and we've just kind of missed them because we missed last week's episode. So um, we're not going to circle back and hit all of them. That would make this episode at least six hours, going in depth like we usually do. Um, but what we will do is we will hit the latest round of translations that dropped uh, last night at the time of recording. Uh, got some pretty interesting cards here, as well as the alternate art variants of the Ruinous Quartet. So, uh, Josh, why don't you kick us off here with the Luxray? All right, so we got Luxray, Stage 2 Pokemon, with the ability Overflowing Ray. So once during your turn, if this card is in your hand and you have more prize cards remaining than your opponent, you may play this card onto your bench. Uh, that's a pretty good ability, honestly. Just yeah, being just able to get a stage, stage two yeah. to play. Oh my god, dude. Yeah, that's not bad. Mid to late game, just to be able to drop this on the bench if you're down is a pretty good ability. And it's attack for one lightning and two colorless wild bolt, 180 damage. This Pokemon does 20 damage to itself. Uh, I think that's pretty respectable, honestly. Because I feel like if you're going to play this Ruxley, you know, you're only planning on playing it with Overflowing Ray. So if you need some kind of emergency backup attacker or something to get down on the bench and start building really fast, uh, I don't think this is too bad, honestly. Yeah, I mean, I think just on the merits of being able to just drop a stage two into play without any preparation whatsoever, I think is incredibly strong. Uh, nice little bit of a comeback option, and you know, one eighty on a one prizer is nothing to nothing to sneeze at. Um, and I think this could definitely see. I, I honestly, I think this might actually become like a staple in like Miraidon decks, just mm -hmm. because like. One of the problems with Miraidon is it's like the classic multi-prizer deck where it plays nothing but like two and three prize Pokemon. It's got all this power and then it gets paired into like a one prize matchup and it just like, 
it's trying to go fast, but the fact that they're playing against a one prizer and having to take six knockouts, it's, you know, it, it kind of like forces them to slow down and the deck doesn't really operate that way. So I think if the Miraidon player ever finds themselves behind on prize cards against a one prize matchup, which, you know, considering how that price trade works is very much likely to happen. That allows you to put the Luxray into play. That gives you a one prize attacking option. That kind of helps fix that prize trading problem that you might have against one prizers, which is pretty solid. And again, 180 is a pretty, that's a pretty good number, honestly, all things considered. Uh, of course, mm-hmm. you could have things like Dynamotor and uh, Electricity Generator to power it up. And uh, another special energy that got revealed in this batch of reveals. More on that later. Uh, yeah, I think it's a pretty solid card, all things considered. Yeah, I agree. Now, speaking of stage twos, we have Tinkaton EX. Watch out, Corviknight. A stage two psychic type EX Pokemon with 300 HP. Has the attack Humongous Hammer for two colorless energy. Does 30 damage times the number of cards in your hand. 30 is a big multiplier. <laughs> like, very big multiplier like we've seen these kind of decks that like you know deal x amount of damage based on cards in your hand right the indeedy and the Golurk that deal 10 for each card in your hand the galarian berserker v that deals 20 for each card in your hand uh and the galarian berserker actually did see some amount of success i think oh i don't remember which format it was in uh but essentially it, it did surprisingly see some amount of success uh, being able to deal 20 for each card in your hand when you have a bunch of ways to draw a bunch of cards, uh, like your Crobat engine that has the uh, Golbat that draws cards, the Crobat that draws cards when they both come into play, a uh, solid way to build a hand, the Milotic that protects your hand from getting disrupted, all that kind of good stuff. So if Galarian Berserker could see a niche amount of play as a frail basic two-prize Pokemon dealing less damage, I don't see any reason why Tinkaton wouldn't have the same scenario, right? Because you could play this alongside Gardevoir. You'd have the trade Curlias, which are amazing at building a hand of resources. There's also a one-prizer stage two Tinkaton, I believe coming in the same set, actually, that has a similar ability to Curlia, but instead it is discard and draw three. So... You have all that working together. You can play Gardevoir EX to use the, you know, use that as a way to power up Tinkaton without having to commit to a double turbo energy and hurting your damage output a little bit. Uh, is it going to be incredible? Probably not. But is there potential here? Could it be a new way to play Gardevoir? Could it be a deck on its own? Honestly, I'd say so. I I think there's a lot of potential here. I'll be honest. Uh. <clears throat> I agree with you. Honestly, I think there's a lot of potential there. I think it's definitely something that we should keep our eyes on. Yeah, absolutely. It also has the attack Pulverizing Press, Psychic, and Two Colorless, 140 damage. This attack's damage isn't affected by any effect on your opponent's active Pokemon. Uh, You know, solid Shred for 140. Uh, They've been printing a lot of Shred effects lately. I'm not really sure how I feel about that, but uh, it's always nice to have those around, uh, especially because... You know, we had uh, Mimikyu announced recently, uh, which is essentially just Bill Tank, but for both Pokemon V and EX, uh, takes no damage from them. So if, you know, people try to get cheeky and play that, uh, Tinkaton does not care. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. 
<clears throat> but uh, moving on from Tikaton EX, we're going to go ahead and go down to Annihilate EX. So, Annihilate EX has Angry Grudge for one fighting energy. It does 20 times damage, put up to 12 damage counters on this Pokemon. This attack does 200, or sorry, this attack does 20 damage for each damage counter you've placed in this way. So, I mean, that's pretty good. That's a potential 240 doing 120 to yourself. For just uh, one energy, by the way. For just one energy. And of course, you don't. One. Good lord. <laughs> yeah. And of course, you don't have to do that uh, full amount of damage if you don't need it. Say you're just in some situation where you have to finish something off that has 160 HP. You don't have to use all 12 of. You know, you don't have to put a full 120 on yourself to send uh, that Pokemon to the discard. Right. Yeah. So it's a high risk, high reward, but it's got a little bit of wiggle room there. I like that, actually. That's pretty cool. <laughs> That's very scary. That's very, very scary. Yeah, because, like, you could just go, like, like, you could just, like, come out the gate swinging, right? Uh, okay, yeah. turn two, five, cool. Rare five, candy, eight, rare attach. Rare candy, annihilate BX, attach fighting energy, anchor grudge. <laughs> yeah, here's 240. Yeah. Hope you can stomach that this early in the game. Yeah, hold this for me real quick. Yeah. <laughs> On your probably stage two. Oh, lord. It's, uh... That's it's pretty good. I do like that attack. Obviously, like I said, this is a very high-risk, high-reward kind of move. You have to kind of know at where the game is going before you start throwing these out willy-nilly, or at least have some kind of plan together. Because if you just kind of... If you kind of just raw, angry grudge, you can put yourself in a pretty bad position if you're not thinking about it. But I, I do really like that. Uh, its second attack, Seismic Toss, for one fighting, one colorless, is 150 damage, which is not bad either. Two energy, a single fighting, and a colorless for 150. That's not too bad. Yep, not too bad. Pretty efficient. Um, and also serves as, like, a, just a nice way to, like, get, like, if you don't have, like, if they're within KO range from Seismic Toss, like, you just go for that every time so that you don't damage yourself with Angry Grudge, right? Yeah, they put out their big mod or whatever, then you can just uh, anger grudge it. Yeah, exactly. And I think my favorite thing about this is that this actually does synergize pretty well with the one prize Annihilate in the Scarlet and Violet base set. Um, has an attack that for one fighting energy does 70 damage times the number of prize cards your opponent has taken, so... You can set up your own Annihilate EX to be KO'd. Well, so you get to take KOs because you're dealing a lot of damage. You set up your Annihilate EX to take to be KO'd, and then you can respond with a one prize Annihilate. That is, you know, depending on how many prize cards, 70, 140, 210, 280. I mean, that ramps really fast. You take five prize cards and have not closed the game out, that one prizer is doing 350 damage. So, like... <laughs> Raw, like no damage modifiers. <laughs> yeah, just raw, just raw in you. So uh, it could be a pretty scary combo. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, I feel like fighting types have been a little lacking lately. So seeing this uh, looks kind of crazy. Might make me want to play a fighting type deck again because I do usually enjoy fighting types. I, I'd very much be interested to try this one out just because of like the annihilate plus one prize annihilate combo. It just sounds so cool. 
Yeah, that sounds pretty crazy. It's like the closer you get to winning, the closer you get to losing. Wrap that around your head. Mm-hmm. We've got a couple trainer cards as well. We have the Delivery Drone. Flip two coins if both are head. Uh, yeah, if both are head, search your deck for any one card and put it in your hand. If you do, then shuffle your deck. Um, it, I think this is just an old PC reprint. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we had old PC from one of the Sword and Shield sets. It wasn't playable. It basically had the same effect. Um, I like. I guess if you wanted to meme in Mew Vmax, I guess you could play this. But like, Cramomatic is just much better, obviously. So uh, I, I I don't see what deck plays this card, if any, but it, it's kind of funny to have around, especially just like the artwork, like this thing looks menacing for like no reason. <laughs> yeah, it's just like a drone coming down yeah. on top of you. I mean, uh, it is cool, I guess, but like you said, with like Cram as an option, Chromatic's just like a better version of this card, sadly. So, you know, it is what it is, I guess. Uh the next card here is Motivational Eliminate. Mode, motivational Eliminate. And you can only use this card if you have more prize cards remaining than your opponent. And you can heal 60 damage from one of your Pokemon. That's actually pretty good, honestly. Being able to heal 60 damage off of a just an item card isn't bad, even with that uh, prize card restriction on it. Yeah, I think the last time we saw heal 60, uh, I think was Super Potion, and that has the uh, that has the requirement of having to discard an energy card to be able to do that. Um, I think 60 is like good, but like also not good at the same time. Like it's obviously it's very heavily matchup dependent. Against yeah. something like Lost Zone Box, like you heal 60, and like you've just ruined their entire game plan, which is hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, and I l- would kind of like to think that's why this card is printed the way it is, just to kind of like grief loss zone box a little bit, because that is a common strategy we've seen a lot of players employ to kind of, uh, work around loss zone box. You play any kind of healing, especially if it's like a spread healing type deal, you ruin the lost mind math basically on the spot that way. Um, and that kind of, that kind of gives them a bit of a hiccup. So I think this will be really good against Lost Zone decks, but like, I'm not really sure which decks commit the space to it. Obviously, probably like some EX, especially like stage two EX decks probably like this card a lot. Um, as well as like, you know, the tankier decks like Oinkalone EX, you know, probably big fans of this card, but I I think I think that's about as good as it gets. I think that's about you know the the niche for the card. Still very good, like you said, it's still definitely a very good effect, but uh, a little bit more niche in my opinion. Yeah. Mm. Now for the big one. I've been waiting for this. We have reversal energy. While attached to a Pokemon, this card provides one colorless energy. But if you have more prize cards remaining than your opponent, and this card is attached to an evolution Pokemon that does not have a rule box, it provides three energy of any type instead. Scramble energy is back, baby! That's pretty crazy. This card is nuts. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, for those that aren't familiar, uh, this is 
a technical reprint of Scramble Energy from, I believe, it debuted in EX Deoxys, I want to say. This was, I mean, this card is like the comeback card of all comeback cards. Uh, You know, you have to be behind on prize cards, but, you know, the designers realize that a triple rainbow energy is way too powerful to be giving to Pokemon EX, so they make it exclusively for one prizers. Evolved one prizers, that way you're not trying to play like big basics. This is this is incredible, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, this is going to promote more evolution. This is going to promote strategies that employ non-rule box Pokemon. And I think this is, I, I think stuff like this is like the reason why the old EX era is looked back on with so much fondness because, sure, you know, you could play a deck with EX Pokemon. It was going to be very good. You know, they're worth two prize cards. They've got strong effects. You know, they're going to be very good. But then you had cards like Scramble Energy or, in our case, Reversal Energy that made playing Evolving One Prizers a viable strategy. There are just as many decks in the Ruby Sapphire to Power Keepers format there are just as many EX decks as there are stage one, stage two, evolving one prizer decks because of cards like Scramble Energy or, again, Reversal Energy. I don't know why they didn't just call it Scramble Energy and just make it a reprint, but, like, whatever, I guess. Um, yeah, this card is great. This is going, like, I, I think, like, at this point, like, we get this card and then all of a sudden, all of those stage twos that we got in Sword and Shield where we're like, wow, that card is really broken, but it's a stage two, so it's trash. Like, we can go back and look at some of those and be like, okay, now there's room in in the conversation for these cards to actually see some play thanks to Scramble Energy. And on top of that, I also think this slows the game down quite a bit because, you know, if you're you're a deck that, like, goes fast, if you're, like, Miraidon, if you're, like, Lost Zone Box, you're a deck that comes out, draws a bunch of cards, gets a bunch of energy into play, does it very quickly, ends up taking the first knockout. Even if you just take, like, one prize card, you have to sit there and think, like, wait, if I take this prize card, they get access to reversal energy. So, like, it might promote people to, like, kind of hold back a little bit. and perf- like, Because essentially the effect there is, is like, okay, well, if I activate reversal energy, that's going to be really bad for me. So instead... Let me not take the prize card, and let me take a few turns to a, to establish a board that can withstand an attacker attacking with a reversal energy, right? It, it's, you know, assuming that our, our format kind of evolves that way, like it did in the EX format, it's going to slow the game down, because otherwise people are just going to get murked by stage twos with crazy effects, with crazy attacks that just attach three energy just by going attach. It's it's absolutely nuts. I'm so happy that they printed this. Uh, I was just going to say, yeah, I have to agree with you. I always love new special energies because I feel like they... I don't know, they always add something interesting to the game, in my opinion. Especially ones like this that are super situational, but very powerful when that condition is met. Like, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, absolutely. I, special energies are always my favorite to see as well, just because they can change the game in a lot of ways, and... Uh, the, you know, like I said, I think this card single-handedly makes a lot of cards suddenly very viable, and I am, I'm excited to see that, so, <laughs> this will be interesting for sure. Yeah, definitely. I 100% agree with you. <clears throat> but, uh, I'm gonna go ahead and move on here to, uh, a couple more EXs that we have to go over. 
So the first one we have is, and I'm sorry if I pronounce this wrong, Wochin EX? Wochin EX? Yeah, Wochin. Wochin, okay. Live Wochin reaction. (laughs) Sorry, I had to. It's it's obligatory. (laughs) With its first attack here, Devouring Ivy for two grass energy and a colorless. This attack does 60 damage to one of your opponent's bench Pokemon for each prize card your opponent has taken. Uh, some potentially very strong numbers there, depending on your opponent's prize card status. That's pretty. It's a pretty cool attack. I mean, I kind of don't like it. I'm gonna be honest here, just with because this is the first time I've seen this. So my mm-hmm. first opinion of this is just, I'm not really a fan of attacks that require me to be in a deficit to get the best use out of them. If right. you know what I mean, yeah. I, I think like prize cards, tool cards, and whatnot, energy, stuff, or item cards and stuff like that that work in your benefit in a deficit are a little better. Or I like those a lot more. But relying on a Pokemon, one of your attackers, to be in a deficit, especially your EX Pokemon, because let's be realistic, if you're you know you're not running too many different EXs probably. To give that slot up for an attack that requires you to be in the deficit for, to get the most use out of it, I'm not a huge fan of that. I uh, don't know what your opinion on it is. I, I kind of go back and forth on it, to be honest. I think they're cool, but it is kind of weird because it's like, okay, well, before this attack has any kind of usefulness, we need to get into like the mid or the late game. and you know. Yeah, it's just... In my opinion, with the Pokemon, it's almost like you have to purposely put yourself in a position where you're losing the game to try to take the win back. You know what I mean? Right. And some people might like that or make think this is a lot better than I do, but I don't know. I don't think it's bad for sure. Like it's pretty. That's pretty good in my opinion, honestly. But uh, I don't think I would play it personally. But to each their own. Yeah, it's it, it, this is a card that I kind of go back and forth on. I've been thinking about this one for a while. Um, just real quick, it's second attack, forest burn, three grass, one colorless, 220 damage. Just no. That is so much energy for 220. It's, yeah, that's like... I didn't even go over that part yet, but I already read it. And that makes me care about the card even less. Because that means you're pretty much relying on Devouring Ivy as your attack with this card. So. Which is, you know, fine. It's a great snipe attack, right? And uh, it's it's not listed on the article we have here, but this does combo really well with the Fortress EX that's also coming out in this set. Uh, Fortress being a stage one EX Pokemon has the ability, uh, like, Energy Burn or something like that, uh, where the Fortress knocks itself out, so your opponent gets two prize cards, and you get to accelerate five Grass Energy from your deck to your Pokemon in any way you like. So there's some synergy going on there, right? You pop Fortress, you give your opponent two prize cards, that activates Devouring Ivy to at least snipe for 120, which we know from Urshifu is a really good snipe, you know? But my problem is is that, like, every deck is playing Manaphy. Mm-hmm. Because, like, like, every deck has to play Manaphy because Radiant Greninja is just so ridiculously good in this format, right? So if you don't play Manaphy, you're going to get murked by Radiant Greninja, and that just kind of like that just hurts Wochien because you know it, it then becomes okay, how do we get rid of Manaphy? You got a couple options, I guess. You know, you could always gust and KO with say like Fortress, it's got like a guard press attack. 
You could do like a Gust and Canceling Cologne play. You could maybe combo this with Meowskarata EX and start sniping with its ability, move damage counters with Radiant Alakazam so that you can get rid of Manaphy and then use this attack. But then it's just like, I don't know. It seems like, it just seems like we're just having to put a lot of pieces in here just to deal with a 70 HP Pokemon that gets in this Pokemon's way. And you're giving up two prizes with the Fortress. I Like, there's definitely a lot of strength here, for sure. Like, there's a lot of strength, a lot of potential. It's a card that I like, but when I try to picture its place in the metagame, which obviously we don't know, we don't even know what the full set looks like yet, but when I try to picture its place in the metagame, I just, like, I, I struggle, to be honest, because, like, we're asking for a lot just for that one play, including giving up two prize cards. So it's just like, ah, I don't know. If I can make it work, I think I will, because I think Fortress is really cool. And, of course, I'm a big Meowskarata fan as well, so, I mean, that's cool. But, like, if it doesn't work, I wouldn't be surprised, I'll be honest. Yeah, it's a... I think it's a very situational card. There might be some, like, crazy deck that comes out that figures out how to use this in a, like, insanely cool way or viable way or something. But it's just... I don't know, man. It's... Like I said, I just don't like to purposely try to be playing, like, into a losing position to come back for the win. It seems, like, it's just too risky to me. A lot yeah. better options. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with you. That's part of the reason why I go, like, back and forth on it. Because, you know, what I see is a very unique and really cool strategy. And I'm like, that's amazing. But what I also see is, oh, boy, we have a convoluted play from behind type deal here, you know? <laughs> Yeah, I, I will say there is that part of me that sees you pulling it off, though, and getting that come from the behind win, and I will say the imaginative rush is pretty good, so I imagine the actual rush would be pretty good. It's uh, definitely don't let our opinion deter you from trying out this card if you think it's interesting. Uh, you might be the one that figures out something that blows our minds. Yeah, and there's a lot of grass-type Pokemon out there that you can pair with Fortress as well, so... You can really make a cool, like, grass-type toolbox that centers around Fortress and Wochien, you know? Uh, so, it's definitely some interesting stuff. Uh, Wochien is not exactly my favorite of the four disasters, but I do gotta say it might have my favorite of the alternate arts. I just like the way the lighting is coming into his little cave there. It's very nice. We'll have uh, links to this in the episode description so y'all can check out the artwork for yourself. But we'll move on to the next one. We have Chiyu EX, a basic fire-type EX Pokemon with 190 HP. So it's pretty frail for an EX Pokemon. Uh, for one fire energy, has the Burning Envy attack. Discard two cards from the top of your opponent's deck. Uh, very similar to an old Houndoom EX we saw, I want to say, in X and Y, I think. Uh, you know, Houndoom Mill was a thing. You just attach an energy and Mill 2, Mill 2, Mill 2. Um, I'm sure that was good back then. This does not really work today, especially at 190 HP on a two-prizer. That is just too frail for you to make a consistent mill strategy out of it, in my opinion. Uh, unless there's some kind of way we can make this a bit more survivable. But its second attack is quite interesting. Uh, for two fire energy, you have flame surge, 100 damage. Choose up to three of your bench Pokemon. Search your deck for a basic fire energy and attach one to each of those Pokemon, then shuffle your deck. So for one attack, you deal 100 damage, which is not the greatest, but, you know, damage is damage at the end of the day. 
And then you look at three fire type Pokemon, say you get an energy, you get an energy, you get an energy. So you could power up uh, a lot of Pokemon this way. Uh, we also have Armor Rouge, which uh, lets you move fire energy from your bench Pokemon to the active as often as you like during your turn. So, you know, you can kind of just have them all spread out, send up your attacker the next turn, and then use Armor Rouge to move all that energy up to the one. You know, that's an option. Uh, really cool card. Again, I, I think it's a very unique effect, but this thing is way too frail and not doing enough damage to warrant such fragility, in my opinion. You're also a fire mm -hmm. type. There's so many good water types in the game. Uh, Palkia is still here. Kiram still good. They're relatively good. Uh, we'll have Kukwavel EX, which is all right. And spoiler warning, Chien Pao is going, probably going to be one of the best decks in the format once we get Paldea evolved. More on that in a second. But So with like all of that being super fragile, having weakness to water, not dealing a ton of damage, and like being the basis just for like a fire-type support-type deck, uh, I mean, I'm all down for the toolbox-type deal. You know I love that kind of stuff, but I think there's just too much going against Chiyu right now. Yeah, uh, I hate to say it, but I think fire types are in a pretty rough spot. Honestly, I think, like... Sorry, I had to cough. I think the only viable fire types, really, that you can get away with that are actually pretty good would be if you're using, like, Radiant Charizard or, like, maybe Amazing Reshiram, stuff, you know. Those are really the only ones that I see that have the potential to do anything right now because like you said there's just too many good water types going around yeah absolutely it's just i don't know it's it's one of those things it's a cool card but there's just like the numbers are bad the typing is bad it's just a yeah. lot going against this little guy yeah it's just doesn't have a lot going for it which that might change at some point who knows uh but getting into Chi and Pao, since you already brought it up, so this card is pretty crazy. I I read over it while you were talking about uh, EU. Uh, so the ability, Trembling Cold, once during your turn at this Pokemon is your active Pokemon, you may search your deck for up to two basic water energy, reveal them, and put them into your hand, then shuffle your deck. Uh, I mean, that's a really good ability. It, if you play Pokemon, you know any kind of ability that just lets you search out energy and put it in your hand is good you yeah, know, it's just the, capacious <laughs> bucket as an ability yeah it's even better than capacious bucket because you don't have to have it in hand just if this is uh your active pokemon you could use this it's really good <laughs> and it pairs well with its attack for two water energy hail blizzard 60 time damage discard any amount of water energy from your pokemon this attack does 60 damage for each card you discard this way uh that's pretty good. Uh, water has a lot of ways of getting a hold of energy or getting energy back. It's a very good deck for being able to waste energy on stuff like using attacks or using like concealed cards with Radiant Greninja, stuff like that. You can, you can always afford to for the most part. And the fact that you can just discard energy from any of your Pokemon to increase the damage of this attack makes it pretty crazy. Yeah, and that 60 does add up pretty quick. And like you said, there are just so many ways to power up water-type Pokemon. Uh, Palkia V-Star Star Portal gets three from the discard. Uh, Quaquavel from base set Scarlet and Violet allows you to attach an extra energy from your hand. 
Um, if you have Pokemon V in your deck, you can play Melanie. Or you can play the new Baxcalibur card that we'll be releasing alongside this, uh, which has an ability that allows you to attach any number of water energy from your hand to any of your Pokemon on the board. Doesn't matter if it's bench, doesn't matter if it's active, doesn't matter if it's water or any type. Baxcalibur says if you have water energy in your hand, you can just put it on the board. Uh, it is a stage 2 Pokemon, so you're going to have to set him up to get there. But once you do, you know, your only limit of energy is what's in your hand. Chien Pao helps you get energy out of your deck. Again, we still have Palkia to get it out of the discard pile. I think will be a really strong partner for this. Um, yeah, I, I mean, Chien Pao is... It's kind of nuts. Chien Pao combined with Baxcalibur, especially if you turn it into like a water toolbox type deck, you could attack with Chien Pao to hit the big numbers. You can attack with Palkia if you're against like metal Pokemon. You can still attack with the Articuno from Silver Tempest and do some uh, paralyzing shenanigans. That'll still be very strong. Um, I mean, there's no shortage of amazing water type attackers in the format. And especially since... A lot of these are like ice type in the video games. They're weak to metal, not weak to ice or uh, weak to lightning. Sorry. So they don't really care about me right on like Palkia does. Uh, yeah, Chan Pao makes a strong case for one of the best decks in the Paldea Vault format for sure. Yeah, it's definitely pretty crazy. Uh, I will definitely be looking at dusting off by Palkia <laughs> when we get this card over here. Because uh, <laughs> I think I definitely agree with you. I think this is going to be one of the best decks in the format. Yeah, it's definitely something I am uh, I'm looking to put together myself. Uh, and of course, you know, shout outs to our boy Dom. I think Baxcalibur is like one of his favorite Pokemon, so he was super hyped to see that it was playable. But finally, well, rounding things out, we have Ting Lu EX, a basic fighting-type EX Pokemon with 240 HP, has the ability Cursed Ground. If this Pokemon is your active Pokemon, your opponent's Pokemon with damage counters on them have no abilities. Any Pokemon. As long as it's not an EX, no abilities. No Comfey, no Cramorant, no Genesect. If you can get damage counters on them and get this guy in the active... No abilities. Going to slow the game down quite a bit. Its attack is a little awkward for three fighting energy. You have a land scoop, 150 damage, put two damage counters on one of your opponent's benched Pokemon. So a bit of synergy there with the ability. You'll love to see it. I think Ting Lu is a very powerful Pokemon. 240 HP is quite a lot for a basic Pokemon. Uh, and of course, just being able to shut off abilities uh, just... Full sale like that is obviously mm -hmm. incredibly strong. Yeah. My problem is powering up that attack. Yeah, powering up the attack is going to be a little bit rough. Uh, fighting doesn't really have any ways to accelerate energy. So, you're kind of... I mean, you're kind of slow on that. The ability is pretty good. And you do have some ways to get that online with just dropping this without, you know, relying on land scoop to get damage counters. You'll have you'll have the Halucha and things like that, which granted we don't have scoop up net anymore, so you can't quite it's not quite as good as it used to be on just like trying to drop Pokemon and spread bitch damage in that way. And there is 
like you said earlier, Manaphy is still a thing. Manaphy is still running around, and that can really put a damper on trying to <laughs> make Curse Ground useful. So, I do agree with you. I think this is very powerful, but I don't know. It seems like it needs a little bit too much work to get going right now, in my opinion. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with it, because... Uh, yeah, I mean, I've, I've said it a bunch already. I'll say it again. Cursed Ground is just an absurdly strong ability, but, you know, you kind of just end up being no better than Clefki because, like, sure, if you get all the damage counters in play and you turn off abilities, that's great, but you end up being no better than Clefki if you can't get that attack powered up, right? Yeah. Um, now, yeah. I mean, there there are some options, like Gutsy Pickaxe is still in the format, so you could kind of try to go with that. Um Coridon EX's Dino Cry can at least get two energy on there, and then you can attach for turn. Of course, Dino Cry does end your turn, so uh, it's just, I don't know, it, it it's just a lot of investment. Now, in my opinion, oh, and it's also weak to grass, which if Wochien and Fortress and like grass-type toolbox becomes good, like that's a problem. But in my opinion, if somebody can crack the code to Tinglu EX, make it consistent, make setting it up at least somewhat manageable, and like get it into play and just get it going, I think whoever cracks the code on Tinglu EX, Tinglu will probably be the best deck in the game if that code can be cracked. Will it be? Can it be? That I don't know. But theoretically, if it does possibly happen, uh, there are a lot of decks that just fold to Cursed Ground. Yeah. Honestly, I think the direction I would probably look at is trying to do something with Arceus and just using trying to use Arceus to charge it up. Uh, that is an option. Uh, that's an idea I had. So, like, using, like, Arceus, accelerating to, like, a Pokemon V, and then using, like, Thornton to swap for Tinglu yeah. type deal. Um, that is something I thought of as well. Um, so I, it's, you know, there it's are just, definitely a couple of yeah options to go about it. Um, it, it still seems a little bit rough, but just off the top of my head, that seems the easiest and most consistent way to get it set up is trying to do some Thornton shenanigans with Arceus. Right. And you can set up the combo relatively easy. You yeah. have Starbirth, right? So you just get the cards for the combo, set it up, execute, and then... You know, try to stick the ability lock, start placing damage counters with land scoop, you know. Uh, I mean, there there, there are a few options out Option. there. It just seems a bit more work than what most other decks would have to do to get online yeah. in the format, which gives it a huge disadvantage because <laughs> Pokemon, I think, is a game partially a game of who can get online first, you know what I mean? That doesn't quite win you the game, but in Pokemon... Usually, whoever can get set up first and online has the biggest advantage in the mat. For and sure. this just seems like it'll take slightly, you know, too long to do. Yeah, I do agree. Um, so we'll just have to, you know, we'll have to wait and see if anybody can make it work. Uh, like I said, I think I think if you can find it out, it becomes one of the best decks in the format. But that is a tough puzzle to uh, to crack. Well, that is going to do it for the translations for now. Uh, that's not every card that we've seen from Paldea Evolved, but uh, it is some standout ones that were recently 
translated. And I think for reversal energy alone, we wanted to get that one in there. So uh, definitely check that out. Paldea Evolved is looking to be an incredible set. I'm so excited. There's a lot of cool cards coming. And <laughs> I'm excited when we start getting some of those. Absolutely. But we got a few tournament stories for you. Uh, a really big one, local events are coming back. Starting on April 14th, League Cups and League Challenges will finally be available at your local game stores once again. So if you're not familiar, uh, League Cups and League Challenges, they are smaller tournaments, like official play Pokemon tournaments that are held at local game stores. Uh, participating in these and winning in these do actually provide CP for your world's invite. Uh, so, you know, you don't have to go to regionals and internationals just to, you know, just to get championship points towards your world's invite. These are another avenue. Um, there have been some changes. The best finish limit for these are two. So, you know, whatever your highest placement is at two league cups and your highest placement at two league challenges is kind of what it defaults to. So, uh, you know, keep that in mind. You don't, you're not going to be able to get as many points from these as you were able to in the past uh, since the best finish limit has been decreased a little bit. But also remember that the amount of championship points required to make it to Worlds has also been uh, decreased. You only need 350. And uh, theoretically speaking, uh, you could get quite a few championship points uh, from winning some of these. And you also get some really cool stuff. Uh, they always hand out like champion play mats for the winners at the League Cups and League Challenges and stuff like that. So uh, definitely keep that in mind. It's exciting to see that these are finally back. This is something that the community has been waiting for for a very long time. It certainly makes the uh, the journey to your world's invite a lot less stressful uh, than having to perform remotely well at regionals exclusively. So uh, pretty excited for this. Uh, these are going to be starting up again no sooner than April 14th, which is the exact date uh, rotation happens and the exact date that Scarlet and Violet is legal for play. So keep that in mind. You know, maybe maybe prioritize that in your testing, even though I'm sure you already are. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'm pretty excited for these. Uh, I have been to a lot of regionals. I've been to NAIC and I have exactly zero CP. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm hoping that uh, one of these events can actually earn me some. Uh, not that I'm exactly going for my world's invite, but it would be nice to say that I at least earned some. So uh, I personally am looking forward to these, as I know the rest of the community is as well. So pretty exciting stuff. Yeah, I think it's cool. Uh, obviously, you know, more tournaments that you can go to and get CP are, are a great thing for the community. And I think it's cool that we're just, we'll finally have some more lower stakes tournaments, I guess kind of all around instead of just everyone flocking to these regionals all the time which while that you know while i'm not trying to say it's a bad thing i think it's amazing some of the show out we've seen at regionals like you told me you had like over a thousand people entered a card game tournament pretty crazy what do you think about for that's, for just the masters division yeah that's that's insanely good turnout and definitely i want to keep seeing that but just knowing also too that there's some smaller but also viable and cool tournaments that you can attend to while maybe not having to travel as far or not take as much time off for hearing that these coming back it's just a good thing all around you know yeah absolutely and the cool thing about league challenges and league cups is that like you know they happen a little bit more frequently they're a lot closer to home so like 
you know, people obviously will, you know, maybe travel to the next town over or a couple towns over, uh, you know, just, to, you know, just to participate in as many of these as possible. They'll be competitive. They'll play meta decks. But uh, you'll also see that a lot of these people just show up with like, you know, a rogue archetype or something off meta, something that they think is fun. That's not like particularly great just because like, oh, I'm just driving down the street to a league challenge. It's like whatever, you know, you go win a league challenge, you get some CP with like, you know, your favorite rogue deck or a meme deck even. It's happened before. And it's just like, like, that's pretty funny, honestly. Like, you know, you just say, yeah, I showed up to my league challenge. I played uh, Charamaractus. I flipped a bunch of coins and I got first place, bro. Sick. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. It's just cool, you know, being able to attend some smaller, more local-ish tournaments or tournaments. It's but like you said, people are probably more likely to bring out like rogue decks or things like that or try things out because I wouldn't say it's really a problem, but in my opinion, when like all you're having is these regionables and ICs and, you know, worlds, it becomes such a meta push. It becomes so meta. Everyone's so focused on the meta. Everyone's trying to win and farm, farm their CP. So you, obviously you're going to play meta. You you know what I mean? There's just, people are less willing to try things out or experiment, and it just becomes about the all about the meta. Right, yeah. I mean, because you travel a long distance, you paid for the travel, yeah, you, you paid for a hotel. You know, you want to try to get something out of the event, right? And, you know, I, it's different for everybody. People have showed up to regionals and ICs with meme decks. I did it at Orlando, even though I, it was unintentional. I did it, you know. But... You know, everybody's goals are different, right? And a lot of people, they are trying to go for their world's invite, right? So, you know, if they are traveling to those, it's, you know, high stress, a lot, you know, a lot on the line for like the regionals and the ICs. But, you know, like I said, this is a more laid back, a little bit more casual. Again, I mean, you can go and play hardcore meta if you want to. I think a lot of people in our area are probably going to do that <laughs> because, mm -hmm. I mean, there's just a lot of people that play meta here. It is what it is. But, uh, you know, either way, it... it it, it's a different air for sure. Yeah, it, it it is a different air, and it's I mean it's kind of like you said. It's just you're less willing to experiment if you're like you're not sure what to do. Like, and this is like how I work honestly for anything I'm trying to do seriously in any kind of competitive environment. If you're not sure what to do at the moment or what like what you actually want to do, playing something meta is always a good fallback move because. One, there's a reason it's meta. It's obviously very good. And two, if you're a solid player in whatever, <clears throat> the meta is usually really good because it's super strong. So if you're a solid player, you can pick it up fast and run with it. It just It's a lot easier than trying to experiment or build something new or do something just different. So less stress tournaments, I think, are a good thing because people will be more willing to take that dive into doing something crazy or cool. Like you said, people do still do it. It's just nowhere near, like, as popular as an option. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, you know, just before we move on, I, I do want to give you all the points breakdown. So, like I said, it is a best finish limit of two, which means that when Pokemon's adding up CP, they are going to look at your two highest placements. So if you have two first place finishes in both League Cups and League Challenges, they will add those, and then you won't be able to earn any more points, essentially capping yourself at that point. So 
Uh, for league challenges, you get 15 points for first place, so you can get a maximum of, of 30 CP from league challenges this season. And at League Cups, uh, first place gets uh, 50 points. Uh, so if you finish first place at two League Cups, that's 100 points. So if you get first at two challenges, first at two Cups, that's 130 points towards your World's Invite right there. So that leaves you with just 250, 220. So you still have to get 220 through things like regionals and internationals and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, having those local events to kind of buffer a little bit is uh, definitely going to be helpful for a lot of people, for sure. Now, speaking of official play Pokemon events, we do have one regional championship that we do want to talk about before capping off our news roundup. Josh, you're ready to talk about Charlotte Regionals. Uh, yeah. I mean, my one of my favorite decks ended up taking it, so I am ready. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the The tail end of the Silver Tempest Crown Zenith format, blessing us with an Eternatus victory. Uh, I know a lot of my local peeps are very unhappy about it. Not a very popular deck here, but uh, I don't care. We stand Eternatus. That deck is cool. But, you know, let's do things like we always do outside of the top eight uh, there are a couple of interesting deck lists that I do want to kind of highlight a little bit. We don't have to spend too much time on them. First off, at 119th place, shoutouts to Trevor Bales for playing Arceus Charizard Flying Pikachu. <laughs> what a Chad. Yo, getting day two with the Arc Zard and Flying Pikachu. Uh, this is kind of sick, actually. Uh, you know, Charizard... VMAX with its GMAX Wildfire attack does 300 damage for 3 Fire Energy and 2 Colorless. Uh, very easily powered up by Arceus V-Star, of course. Uh, you know, you're this big, beefy 330 HP, uh, you know, VMAX Pokemon that can basically just one-shot anything in the game. What's not to like? And you also have the Flying Pikachu VMAX as well to protect yourself from basic Pokemon like the Lost Zone Box or a lot of Lugia's attackers as well. Um, I gotta be honest, I haven't really thought too much about it, and I can't immediately think of any niche that Charizard fills in this format, if I'm being honest. Uh, it is a decent VMAX killer, but I think we have a lot of those in the format that aren't three prizers that require five energy, so not a thousand percent sure the concept here. Maybe he just really liked Arcazard from Astral Radiance and decided he just wanted to play it. Threw in a Flying Pikachu. I love Flying Pikachu. I think it's a great call, honestly. Still... An extremely underrated card in this format, if you ask me personally. Um, really cool deck. I, I like it. I, I, If I wasn't at a point where I have to invest a lot of time in Scarlet and Violet format, I, I think I'd honestly give it a shot. I'll be honest. Yeah, I would uh, definitely, if like, we weren't going into Scarlet and Violet right now, <laughs> I would honestly be interested in trying this out. It seems like a pretty fun deck to play. Yeah, it's an interesting combination for sure. Uh, we did see quite a few Flaffy Box at this tournament. Uh, Flaffy Box at the Utrecht Special Event over in Europe. Uh, there were quite a few Flaffy Box players that had like incredibly deep runs. I think like the highest placement they got was like 17th, I think, with Flaffy Box, uh, which is pretty impressive. So people saw that. They saw the deck list. They're like, oh my god, that's cracked, and they played it here. So we have a few Flaffy Boxes doing well. Thought that was... Uh, Worth noting, uh, 99th place, Xavier Green busting out the amazing rare Reshiram. 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Lost Zone, Amazing Rare Reshi Ram. We haven't seen this since like very early Lost Origin, and it just kind of fell off in comparison to things like Lost Zone Box. Um, I really couldn't tell you why. Maybe people weren't used to the Mirage Gate type builds of Lost Zone Box yet. Maybe people were too comfortable with Sablezard at the time and then just never went back to this. I don't really know, but I got to give shout outs for playing Reshiram. Uh, this is one of my favorite amazing rares. Also one of my favorite legendary Pokemon of all time. He also gets shout outs for playing Radiant Eternatus. Being the one and only person to make it work. Listen, man, I tried. I tried my best. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, Radiant Eternatus is actually pretty sick in here. Because if you get paired into a Lost Zone Mirror, right? Mm -hmm. You just pull out the Radiant Eternatus, turn one, get the Flying Pikachu VMAX into play, and then you just play it like it's a Lost Zone Flying Pikachu and tell your opponent to deal with it. And in a lot of scenarios, like I said, Flying Pikachu VMAX, in my opinion, is a very underrated card in this format. A lot of Lost Zone decks don't really respect Flying Pikachu, so really strong option here. And it has that double-sided effect of Eternatus and Reshiram sharing energy types. So you could realistically power up the Radiant Eternatus and attack with Power Beam for 200, uh, Fire Dark Colorless, which is not a bad attack. On a one-prizer basic Pokemon with 170 HP, being able to swing for 200 out of nowhere, that's not bad. That's pretty good. Yeah, it's definitely respectable. It's something you would have to keep your eye on if you were playing against it. Because, like you said, your opponent could easily build that up. And 200 damage is a game-changing amount of damage. Yeah, absolutely. We do have a small like uh, Sky Seal Stone package in here as well with Raikou V, Drapion V, so we can take extra prize cards against like Lugia and Mew, uh, which I'm sure is helpful. My one big thing about this is like, dude, there are so many one-ofs in this deck. These flower selectings have to be brutal. Yeah, definitely I see that as like the hardest part. It's just <laughs> you probably have to have very intimate knowledge of this deck to play it well because... Those flower selecting, like you said, they could they could be probably be super brutal. Yeah, I can't imagine that was uh that was very fun at all. Uh we did have a couple other interesting decks. A few Articuno and Teleons making day two. Shout outs to Alex Shemansky. Uh a Kiram Palkia making day two, I think for the first time since LAIC, I wanna say. Uh this deck just fell off the face of the earth after Silver Tempest came out and for good reason, I don't really think it has a great Lugia matchup, but here it is making day two at one of the last regionals in the format. Uh, I don't really see anything too out of the ordinary here, but, you know, go off, I guess. <laughs> and I think that about wraps it up. So are we ready to break down the top eight, Josh? Yeah. Here we go. Top eight, starting from eighth place and working our way up, we have Jose Marzin playing Eternatus Weezing. Uh, fun fact, I think round one of top eight, like, uh, of top cut, uh, Jose and our eventual winner, Aiden Coos, played the first round of top cut. It was a Turnitus Mirror, so kind of funny. Mm -hmm. uh, seventh place, Michael Bataglia playing Lugia Archaeops. Sixth place, Julio Santos de Leon playing Lugia Archaeops. Uh, fifth place, Rowan Stavenau on the Mew Genesect. Fourth place, Noah Peltier with the Vikavolt, one of the very few Vikavolts to actually make day two. Shoutouts. Uh, third place, Justin Bakari being the only Lost Zone box in the top cut with a very interesting list. We'll break that down here in a second. Second place, Charlie Kerr, Reggie Box, taking it all the way up to the second place finish. 
I think uh, probably the deepest tournament run Reggie Box has ever had. So shout-outs to Charlie for that. And then, like I mentioned before, Aiden Coos, first place with the broken Eternatus Weezing deck. Uh, and there's not really any any uh, frills here. Um, it's just the standard. You know, you got the Eternatus, you got the Weezing. Uh, you've got the Sneasler to increase poison damage. Whole bunch of Crobats. It's about slowing down your opponent, forcing them to deal with ability lock while you set up this death machine in the back, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, so no frills. Uh, pretty pretty standard list as far as Eternatus goes, but Josh, were you expecting Eternatus to actually take a W in in this format before, we hot, before it rotated out? No. Uh, I'm going to be honest. I... Uh, as much as I love Eternatus, I honestly never expected it to take a win. I thought it was like insanely cool that it was even placing as high as it was at a lot of regionals. Because I'm gonna be honest, I didn't expect that either. <clears throat> but uh, yeah, no, I never, I'd never even imagined it was actually gonna take a take a dub. So it's pretty sick though. Makes me super happy because I think a lot of people were super underestimating Eternatus. <laughs> yeah i i agree um it started seeing play at arlington uh, i believe it was uh frank persick that had uh, popularized the idea he got like 33rd with it at arlington and uh you know that was like the first time we'd seen eternatus since like 2020 like it had been just so irrelevant at that stage of the game uh, you know, it was kind of at a point where I was like, well, by the time we got regionals back, this thing's already power crept. So I guess, you know, it's, it's time in the sun has came and went, but no, here he is right before rotation being like, nah, -uh. remember I'm the bad guy of sword and shield. I'm the big, bad V max Pokemon. Uh, you know, it, it's kind of cool. Honestly, a, a very, a very cool way to send off sword and shield. In a, in a way. I mean, we still have I, more tournaments in this format, but it is a very cool way to send off Sword and Shield. I definitely have to agree. I, I couldn't think of a more appropriate deck to be one of the final uh, regional winners of the Sword and Shield era. Yeah, very cool. We're, we're Eternatus fans here. Uh, it, you know, a lot of people look at it as like a slow, boring, for sure opponent not to play the game type deck, but uh, deal with it. What are you going to do? It's good. Yeah. <laughs> It's good, and it's always going to hold a special place in my heart, because Eternatus was the deck that got me back into playing Pokemon TCG, and what really got me into playing it competitively in the first place, so th that deck's always going to be special to me. Yeah, absolutely, and I wish I had record of me saying this on the podcast, um, I, and maybe we would have if we didn't miss the last episode, but I, I, I do have it in text messages. I said, you know what? If I was going to Charlotte, I think I'd play Eternatus. It just feels really strong for the meta right now. And then it won. So uh, I think my metagaming, that's like a, you know, a confidence boost of my metagaming there. Uh, so, I'll, you know, we, we take those little dubs here and there. But we got a couple other uh, decks in the top cut. Uh, I'm going to be honest. We're not going to look at basically all of these. Uh, we're going to take a look at Justin Bakari's Lost Zone Box deck as it is uh, very unique and interesting, but the rest of the top cut, it's exactly what you think it is. Lugia, Aerodactyl Mew, Vykovol, yeah. they're the same list that we've been seeing for a while now. Uh, uh, not really any reason for us to go over them for the sixth month in a row, you know? Hopefully this will be, like, the last time for a while 
uh, you kind of hear that from us because I do think probably from our next podcast onward, what our next podcast will be right after rotate. No, right before rotation. Would it? Uh, yeah, this episode yeah. is going to launch on the 6th of April. So yes, by the time we get to our next four or uh, our next episode, episode 31, we will have been past rotation and past the first event for the Scarlet and Violet format being the European International Championships. Uh, so we'll definitely have, yeah. I mean, when the first tournament after a set and rotation is legal is an international championship. <laughs> It's gonna We're going to have a lot to talk about next week, for sure. <laughs> yeah, I believe it. So hopefully that's the last time you hear that kind of thing from us for at least a while. But uh, yeah, unfortunately, it's just this is the meta. This is what's good. People are obviously winning with this, and they did. Nothing wrong with it, but it's just really nothing new. Yeah, it's uh, it's just one of those things. The format's been going on for nearly six months at this point. Uh, we're kind of reaching the point where it's... I don't like I don't want to say that it's solved but like it's about as solved as it's going to get for the time being if there's any further developments to happen in the format it'll happen from people revisiting this format as a retro format so it's just kind of like I think this is just where the format stops I I could be wrong I guess Fort Wayne you know it starts tomorrow at the time of recording maybe maybe something cool will happen and you know what if it does I'll circle back and we'll we'll cover it on the Ever. next episode, but I highly doubt it. I'll be honest. But, uh, you know, before we sign off on the new segment, let's just take a quick look at Justin Bakari's Lost Zone Toolbox deck. Um, this is kind of a mishmash of, well, actually, mishmash probably isn't really the right term here. This is essentially like, you know, that turbo Lost Box variant that we've seen running around with the Dragonite V, the Forest Seal Stone, and the Lost Vacuums. Essentially, the idea is you actually want to go second with this list, and the idea is that you're trying to get to seven in the Lost Zone on your first turn. So you've got the Comphase, the Flower Selectings, the Colorus. You attach the Forest Seal Stone. You use the Forest Seal Stone to get Lost Vacuum. You Lost Vacuum something from your hand, and the Forest Seal Stone that you just attached to get another plus two into the Lost Zone so you can activate Mirage Gate as soon as possible. Why do we want to do that? So we can attack with Dragonite, of course. Dragonite's Dragon Gale attack does 250 damage, which is a lot of damage to be doing on the first turn of the game going second. Uh, of course, if you attach a Choice Belt, you're dealing more damage, but Justin is not playing a Choice Belt, so that's a moot point. Point is, if you can deal 250 damage turn one going second, that is just such a massive momentum swing, dude. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of crazy to think about, but... Interestingly enough, we also have quite a bit of Lugia hate in the list. Makes sense. Lugia is the best deck in the format. You have Zeraora with the Fighting Lightning attack. 30 damage plus 90 if it is attacking a Pokemon V. So it falls just a bit short of a V-Star KO with weakness, but you can just clean it up with Sableye later. And we also have the Aerodactyl V-Star. You know, if you're playing up against Lugia and you're going first, you might as well do what Mew is doing. Get the V-Star into play. Tell them they're not allowed to use their abilities and then just protect him. Yeah. Very powerful strategy, honestly. Especially in a deck that, like, is built to play with the Lost Zone. It kind of, like, I don't know. I feel like this deck facilitates Aerodactyl a little bit better than Mew does because it's, like, a little awkward in Mew, right? It hurts your draw engine. You play, like, four energies, so you have to commit one of those energies to a Pokemon that is not dealing any damage. 
it's like it's really weird um but in this deck it's just like okay it, yeah we play all yeah. the switching cards right we don't need to retreat we don't need to you know we don't need to find like the two of copy of switch in the deck you know we play all the switching cards in the format and we play high counts of them you know we just attach an energy or maybe get a mirage gate and a bonus attachment somewhere else activate the ancient star get him out of dodge and you know you're you're back to the you're back to the races, spitting, fighting lightning, dragon gale. You, know, you don't even care. Whatever. Yeah, the, the worst case scenario, you you have a potential loss drive. You could still get online and pull this thing if you had to. Have it as an attacker. Yeah, it's, and I, I imagine that had to come in some kind of handy, right? This is, mm -hmm. you know, that being a way that you could respect things like flying Pikachu and Ice Cube because it is an evolution Pokemon. And you just drop three cards into your loss zone. You don't really get control of what those three cards are, so it's a little scary. But that is turbo for turbo, I guess, you know? Uh, it's turbo for turbo. And Mirage Gate makes it like perfectly viable to do what he does here. Just set one fighting energy aside just for that occasion, basically. Exactly, yep. We have uh, other ways of assisting with that as well, like the Ordinary Rod, the Energy Recycle, yeah. the Training Court... Uh, I mean, this is a very, very fast, a very aggressive Lost Zone toolbox for sure. I mean, it's even got like Crobat and Luminion in here. Like Luminion makes sense. We've seen that before. But Crobat even is just like, like, wow, dude. Like this guy is trying to go fast. Mm -hmm. Pretty scary, honestly. It Very scary. It uh, obviously worked very well for him. Got third place. That's very impressive. Uh pretty cool honestly it's a pretty cool lost zone box it's it's one of the reasons i still really like lost zone boxes it's one of the only decks that you still get to see something fairly interesting occasionally going on for the most part yeah that's why we try to take a look at as many of these as we can because really with the lost zone engine you know you could put in your comfes the sableye the cramorant the colorist the mirage gates and then like every other card you could just be like yeah i'll just drop the whole binder and literally just play whatever you want like any Pokemon yeah. you can think of, yeah, Lost Zone it. It'll be great. <laughs> like, Can't go wrong. You cannot go wrong, man. Well, that's going to do it for the Charlotte Regionals, as well as our news roundup for this episode. Let us know what you thought of today's topics. Hit us up on Twitter at DamageCounter, DamageCounterPodcast at gmail.com. If you prefer email, you can hit us up there. We actually did have somebody submit... Uh, a few discussion topics to us via the email. In fact, we're about to get into one of those in our 60-card showcase. So yes, the email is a viable way to get to us, and we do read it, so definitely hit us up. Or you could join our community Discord. That's right, we are on Discord. That Discord server is open to everybody. Just go ahead, click the link in the episode description, and come on in. Join us, talk about more shiny cardboard. We'd love to keep the conversation going with y'all. But with that being said... It's time to get into our 60-card showcase, and uh, oh boy, we've got a doozy for you today. We sure do. Let's get into it. All right, now when I say we have a doozy for you, I, I, I really don't think I... I I could be underselling this anymore. <laughs> like, 
Like, there's no way I could convey to you the, the amount of insanity that is going on in this deck. So, we actually have a deck list submitted from a listener of the podcast. Uh, Mark Zaladik reached out to us on our email, damagecounterpodcast at gmail.com, if you are interested in doing so yourself. Sent us a couple deck lists and said, hey, I'd love for y'all to cover these on the 60-card showcase. And so, the one we are going to be looking at today is a deck from the Unlimited format, uh, you know, specifically PTCGO Unlimited, so basically uh, Heart Gold Soul Silver to the newest set with no card bans. It's going to be Palkia and Dialga Legend Mill. <laughs> uh, Josh, like is, this a, is this the first time we've talked about a mill deck on uh, the 60 card showcase? Uh, I think it is, uh, at least in detail. I know we've brought up like Durant before and stuff, but I think this is the first time we're actually covering a deck like this. Yeah, I think so as well. Uh, and it's funny, I, yeah, I got this email from Mark and I replied to him. I said, thank you for giving us a reason to talk about Palkia Dialgo Legend. <laughs> <laughs> this is such a great card. So for those that aren't familiar, in the Heart Gold and Soul Silver era, uh, they had uh, these special cards called Legend cards. They're kind of like our modern day V Union cards, uh, but instead of getting four pieces into the discard pile and then assembling them that way, you would instead need to get the two card. It was two card pieces. You had to get the two cards into your hand and then you could bench it. So. Kind of similar to our V unions in that way, but uh, a little different as well. So let's go ahead and break down what this absolutely insane card does as I uh, quickly try to find it here on PKMN cards. Here we go. So we can use both of its attacks, but the attack that we are most concerned with using is Time Control. For two metal and one colorless energy, you discard all metal energy attached to Palkia and Dialgo Legend. Add the top two cards of your opponent's deck to his or her prize cards. That's right, we're, we're not milling by putting their cards in the discard pile, we're milling by putting them in the prize cards. <laughs> <laughs> you just make it impossible for them to win. Yeah, exactly. So, because there are so many prize cards, that they just cannot win through, through that mean. Like, if you get set up and you start putting two prize cards into their, or, or two cards from their deck into the prize cards, eventually it's going to get to the point where winning via taking all the prize cards is just not going to be a viable strategy. Which... That is just absolutely hilarious for a mill deck, let me tell you. <laughs> it, it's a very interesting theme, honestly. Like, that's the kind of card I could see as, like, a non-legal card. It honestly surprises me that this was made as, like, a legal card. Yeah, it is kind of crazy when you think about it, especially for the time. Uh, and uh, I don't remember if it was, like, extremely playable back in the Heart Gold and Soul Silver era. Uh, I do know that there is a very funny picture uh, that has been memed to death of this one guy trying to play it out against uh, Palkia Dialga Mill with 27 prize cards all sprawled out and like, you know, layered in a way that you could see each individual card on the table. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely hilarious. And he's just like playing it out. He's just like, whatever, bro, I got I to do this. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely hilarious. Uh I think if I, if I can like find a link to the image, I'll, I'll put it in the episode description. You have to see it. It's hilarious. Uh, but it also has the attack Sudden Delete for Water and Two Colorless. Choose one of your opponent's bench Pokemon, put that Pokemon and all cards attached to it back into your opponent's hand. So uh, you'll notice that with those two attacks, 
neither of them deal damage. So we don't have any kind of like offensive pressure to apply uh, in any of our matchups. So a lot of our strategies are going to be very control-based. Again, we are milling by using time control to put cards into the prize cards. But if your opponent is building up a particularly strong Pokemon on the bench, uh, Sudden Delete is going to be a good way to prevent them from getting that Pokemon powered up and to start taking prize cards. Because worth noting, the Legend Pokemon are worth two prize cards. And uh, if they start taking KOs on your Legends before you have, you know, a, a bit of a setup going that could become problematic for you. So keep that in mind. Now, the big question is, how are we powering this guy up? Well, we have Bronzong from Battle Styles with its Metal Transferability and Bronzong from Phantom Forces with its Metal Links ability. Metal Links allowing you to uh, attach a Metal Energy from your discard pile to one of your benched Pokemon, and then we can use Metal Transfer to move that up to Palkia Dialga Legend. So we mill two prize cards, or mill two cards into the prizes, we discard all the metal energy, get it back into play with metal links, push it forward back up to the legend with Bronzong, and then you do it again, and then you create that loop. So it is a lot to set up. We're talking multiple stage ones, we're talking a legend Pokemon. That's quite a bit to set up there. That is honestly the hardest part, is getting set up. But once you do that, it's Mill City, baby. Now, speaking of that setup, we have a couple ways to make it a bit more reasonable, a bit easier to achieve. We have Lily's Pokédoll, uh, a trainer card that can be played as a 30 HP Pokémon that gives up no prize cards. So you can uh, set up the Lily's Pokédolls to kind of uh, act as a wall while you set up your Pokémon. Uh, Cyrus Prism Star is another way to get rid of some of your opponent's powerful attacking Pokémon that are getting set up. Uh, which is also actually a card that we talked about in our Card of the Day segment many moons ago. Check that out if you're interested. Uh, we also have Master Ball. Master Ball being our ace spec of choice for this deck. Uh, if you're not familiar, ace specs are very powerful trainer cards. You can only play one ace spec in your deck. Master Ball has the very powerful, powerful effect of just allowing you to search your deck for any Pokemon. No discard, no nothing. You just search your deck for a Pokemon. Pretty powerful. Yeah, very good. But aside from that, the rest of it is just draw supporters. We got Marnies, we got Research, uh, you know, we got Bosses Orders to strand useless Pokemon in the active spot so that we can get set up and that we can take advantage of that of our opponents having to try to move that Pokemon to uh, get off a few more time controls. Uh, so all pretty good stuff there. I do want to highlight the Splash Energy. Uh, the Splash Energy is a special energy from the X and Y era. It says the Water-type Pokemon that this card is attached to. If it is knocked out, return that Pokemon. And uh, I believe, is it all cards attached to it? Let me read it real quick. Uh, no, discard the other cards attached to it. But you return the Pokemon to your hand. So Palkia Dialga Legend being a Water and Metal-type Pokemon does benefit from Splash Energy, so if your opponent ever does take a knockout on the Legend, you get both pieces back to your hand, ready to play them down again on your bench next turn. Very good card in this list. And aside from that, the only other thing we really have is Belelba and Bryson Man. Now, this is a card that was actually banned from the standard format uh, back in 2020. They had to reprint this with a different effect because uh, they felt it was too powerful. Uh, Belelba and Bryson Man says, discard three cards from the top of each player's deck. 
Uh, when you play this card, you may discard three other cards from your hand. If you do, each player discards their bench Pokemon until they have three bench Pokemon. Your opponent discards first. Now, we're more so using this for the first effect just to discard the top three cards of both players' decks. We are a mill deck after all, so any way that we can accelerate the process, we want to be doing that. Uh, you can use the secondary effect if you have the cards to discard. We do play quite a lot of, uh, energy, so, uh, you know, we do have some cards that we can afford to discard if you want to punish your opponent's bench. Not always necessary, uh, it's really just here to help us accelerate the mill game plan. So, uh, yeah, a pretty strong card, this one. Yeah, it's pretty crazy, actually. That tag team's really good. I've never heard of, uh... I've never heard of it. It's crazy. It's it is very good. Like I said, it got banned. Uh, I think the same time rotation happened, like after it came out. So, uh, darkness ablaze became legal. Rotation happened, and Belelba and Bryson Man got banned all in the same day. Uh, it was it was quite funny. I'm not gonna lie. I imagine. But yeah, I mean, as crazy as a deck as it is, as crazy as a strategy as it is, that's about all there is to it. The rest of it is just consistency. You got your ball search cards to help find your Pokemon Energy Lotto to help you find specific energy cards that you might need. Uh, Mount Corona to help you get back metal energies from your discard pile if necessary. All that kind of good stuff. But yeah, as crazy as a deck as it is... That's the strategy. Uh, you know, there's, it's a complex strategy. It's one that's very difficult to set up. Uh, there isn't an unlimited ladder on PTCGO. Uh, I did build this, but you can really only play against the AI. Uh, so that was really the only way I had to test the list. But even against the AI, it was quite difficult to get set up. And I was even at risk of losing on a couple of those games, especially when the AI uh, had a fire type deck and was able to hit... Dialga and Palkia for weakness if I wasn't able to find that coding metal energy. Uh, the setup for this deck is incredibly difficult, but if you can get there, you've basically won the game. Time control is just going to keep your opponent out of the most common win condition in the game, which is the one that everybody's really building their decks around. And you have a bunch of controlling pieces in here to, to kind of keep it that way, so... Very weird deck, very crazy strategy, and requires a complex setup. But if you get it pulled off, I gotta tell you, it's even against like the crappy PTCGO AI, getting set up and getting to mill by just continuously throwing cards into the prize cards is one of the most crazy feelings I think I ever had playing that game. I mean, it's absolutely nuts. Yeah, it seems pretty crazy. I would uh, I would love to be able to try this deck out, honestly. It seems like a lot of fun to play. Like, it's a little bit trolly, but, like, I don't know. I think I would be impressed if I was the person on the other side of this deck. <laughs> and I looked down and had, like, 20 prize cards or something insane. Yeah, it's one of those things. You get put in that situation, and you're just like, well, uh... GG, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Now, I do think, like, one of the hardest things about this deck, like, when it comes to the setup, if you'll take a look at the list, uh, you'll see that's like, uh, 4, 8, 12, 
18, 21 energy in the list. Uh, very, you know, warranted. We have these awkward energy costs, multiple attacks uh, that we, you know, we kind of need some versatility. We also need to protect our weakness. The splash energy is great for getting the uh, Palkia Dialga back into the hand. The metal, the basic metal energies obviously are kind of needed to, you know, keep fueling the attacks and all that fun stuff. So, uh, you know, that, that I think that's kind of like where the big problem with the setup comes in, where it's like, you like kind of have to run a lot of energy. So because of that, like you're end up, you end up like top decking energy a lot. And you're just like, Oh my God, like I need, <laughs> I need to get this setup going like now type deal. Um, but like I said, you get set up and you, if your opponent just gets you like one, maybe two turns with that legend in the active, you've basically won the game. <laughs> So this is, uh, if you're into Unlimited, I would highly recommend to try this deck out. It's, like Josh said, it's a it's a bit of a troll. Uh, and I'm sure in the grand scheme of things, when it comes to Unlimited, it might not be the greatest deck in the world. Uh, it is a 160 HP 2 price Pokemon, after all. Uh, but you've got to try it. I mean, who doesn't want to mill their opponent's deck by putting cards in the prize cards? That's like the best thing you could possibly do. Yeah, I mean, it's just insanely cool, dude. Like, getting this off and winning a game like this is just such a unique way. It's such a unique win con in Pokemon. Like, Probably the most unique, honestly, all things considered. Yeah, yeah it just, uh, I don't know, it looks like it'd be a lot of fun to play. Like I said, if I was the opponent and someone like actually managed to win the game this way, I would be way more impressed than I could ever be like salty about it. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, absolutely. I don't think like like can you really be mad at this deck? I don't think you can. If you just sit there and just like, wow, I have uh, twenty seven prize cards. Uh, yeah. I mean, you should probably honestly, if you get to twenty seven prize cards, you should, probably should have scooped to like, you know, maybe like. 10 prize cards ago, but like, you know, I mean, it is what it is, right? So really cool deck, really interesting strategy, pretty complex strategy too at the end of the day, but a fairly simple deck list. So I want to give a shout out uh, to Mark Zlatic. Thank you for submitting this to us uh, via our email. You did submit another deck list. Don't worry. I haven't forgot about it. We will be covering that one in a future episode. So stay tuned for that. And if you have a deck list that you really like any format whatsoever. I mean, we just talked about Unlimited, for Christ's sake. I mean, listen, there, there's no going further than Unlimited. We play every format in the game. So if you have a favorite deck list that you want to throw our way, definitely do so. Hit us up on Twitter at DamageCounter, DamageCounterPodcast at gmail.com if you prefer email. Or you can hit us up in our submissions channel on our Discord server. Links to that are in the episode description. Definitely check it out. We'd love to keep the conversation going with you guys in there but now that we've controlled time a little bit milled our opponent's deck in the most complex most backwards way possible it's time for another meta overview now we talked a little bit in the last episode about the champions league in aichi uh you know kind of the first major tournament in the uh battle styles the scarlet and violet format that happened over in japan uh, 
We are now about a month removed from that discussion. Scarlet and Violet has now officially made its way over here to the international territories. We've had online tournaments and as well as a lot of meta preparation coming up going into EUIC. So we felt it would be appropriate for this episode to give y'all our first initial thoughts following uh, basically a, a, a meta forecast update. Uh, for the Scarlet and Violet post-rotation format. There are a lot of changes happening in the format, so we're here to talk about it. So, Josh, you ready to do this? Yeah, man, let's go. All right, Josh, the time has finally come. Our first meta discussion for the post-rotation format. Uh, not too surprising that this would come up pretty quickly for us. Uh you know, uh, listeners of the show will be like, wait, didn't you do this in the last episode? Well, kind of. It was kind of a first impressions of the metagame. But now that uh, Scarlet and Violet is officially released over here in the international areas, uh, we can play it on Pokemon TCG Live. We can do our own testing uh, with actual cards and not having to theorize off of Japan's format. There have been uh, some interesting evolutions of some of the archetypes uh, Japan has popularized. And of course, we have the European International Championships uh, coming up as well. I think by the time you are listening to this, it's about a week or so away. Uh, a week. Yeah, it's about a week out. So, uh, lots to talk about. Of course, EUIC being one of the largest tournaments of the year. Uh, definitely a big deal. So, let's go ahead and start breaking this down, man. So, we're going to be talking about here today is kind of talking about the big decks in the metagame, trying to highlight some changes that uh, have been seen since the Scarlet and Violet set released. Uh, our general thoughts on specific archetypes, how we how strong we feel it is in general, but also for EUIC specifically, things of that nature. So why don't we just start with the big boogeyman of the format being Lost Zone Box. Now, I think we all kind of knew that this was going to be one of the strongest decks in the format. We all knew that Lost Zone was going to be kind of nuts. Uh, just from post-rotation, it's one of the few archetypes that are pre-existing that didn't really lose much of anything. Uh, yeah. I mean, the Lost Zone box is so, you know, self-contained with its... It all pretty much came out at once together. It really wasn't relying on anything else so rotation didn't really touch it at all yeah i think the only only noticeable thing it lost was like scoop up net you yeah. know may, maybe training court but even that hasn't seen play in the lists in quite <clears throat> some time uh despite a few niche appearances here and there so yeah, uh scoop. yeah not really much has changed uh and of course scoop up net has a pretty easy replacement with beach court a new stadium that re reduces the retreat cost of all basic pokemon by one energy um so allowing Comphase to retreat a little bit easier allows you to commit your energy for turn to an attacker that you might want to power up later in the game you know this that the other so um yeah what are your thoughts on awesome box josh i mean it's it's really good it's obviously uh probably i probably do think it is the best deck in the format uh i think a lot of people did and still do consider like Giratina Lost Zone Box to be the best deck in format, but I don't know. I think Lost Zone Box by itself is just so crazy good that like it's you know it's my BDI personally more so than the Giratina variant. 
Yeah, that is that does seem to be the general consensus, especially with the Sky Seal Stone build, and that's something we'll break down here in a second. There are so many different ways to build this deck that are all viable. Um, but yeah, the Sky Seal Stone build particularly is uh, seeing a lot of hype, and for good reason. You can play Drapian, Raikou, and Zapdos, hit all the best weaknesses in the format, um, and just do it really efficiently, really quickly. There's all kinds of Pokemon that those... Uh, or like VMAX and VSARs that those Pokemon can hit for weakness and just take an extra prize card, right? So, you know, Galarian Zapdos will punish Regilecki VMAX and Arceus VSTAR. Drapion, of course, is going to give you four free prizes against Mew VMAX, which is always hilarious. And uh, Raikou to help out a little bit against Lugia if they decide to disrespect uh, Lightning-type Pokemon in any way. So, you know, the Skyseal Stone, despite the fact that, like, V's, V-Maxes, V-Stars are, you know, they're, they're starting to see their way out the format as we move into Scarlet and Violet and as we see more EX Pokemon take their spot. V-Maxes and V-Stars, V-Stars specifically, are still the best cards in the game, right? Like, let's not kid ourselves here. We have some great EXs, uh, you know, which is uncharacteristic for a base set of a new era, but, you know, it, it's still the V-Star show for the most part, right? Yeah, V-Stars and, like, very few Vs and VMAXs are just so good still. Uh, the Sky, like, that's why I think Sky Stone is just such a good uh, option right now. I've been playing in my Gardevoir deck, and it's just, like, the fact that Vs are so much faster than most EXs on getting up and online, the Sky Stone makes it, you know, almost essential, at least to me, to evening the playing field and still being able to try to keep up with them. It's... They're just so strong still, you know? It's so hard to compete against something that can get online in one to two turns when most of the EXs you've got to get to your stage two or, you know, there's a few ways to speed that up with Rare Candy and whatnot, but still, it's just not as fast as Vs or Vmaxes or Vstars. Yeah, not to mention just, like, the sheer utility of, like, the Lost Zone toolbox, right? You've got, like, Sableye for damage counter sprinkle. Cramorant can attack for free. 110 for free is absurdly efficient uh yeah. ninja can snipe and of course you have a bevy of v attackers if you want to go that route you don't have to uh, and we'll kind of talk about some of those other builds here in just a second but yeah lost zone box just insanely strong and you know since we're on the subject of lost zone this kind of a this obviously applies to like giratina and mew as well but like i think the lost zone variants and mew particularly are just so strong in this format because they kind of have their own self-contained draw engine. No other deck really has that, right? Like on turn yeah. one, especially if you're going first, on turn one, you have the cards in your hand and that's about it, right? So yeah. if you don't have what you need to to start the game off strong in your opening hand, if you're not playing like Lost Zone or Mew, like, like I mean, Arceus, I think, is, a, is is the best example of this. Like if you don't have Arceus energy in your hand, like that's it, you're just not... You're just not getting it because Crobat's not in the format anymore, right? So you can't thin your hand to try to draw just a few more cards on the first turn of the game. Like, what's in your hand is what you've got, right? So I think that's, like, what makes Lost Zone and Mew particularly strong in this format is because they're the only decks that can actually draw and see additional cards on the first turn of the game. It's, it's like, a really big advantage right now, in my opinion. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, definitely. It's uh, definitely one of the first things I noticed with the format is 
how much like harder it is to get cards, you know, because the things like Crobat and are gone. It was such an easy option that I think a lot of us had kind of gotten spoiled with. So, I mean, I think you're completely right. Just the advantage of being able to dig your deck on the first turn is very powerful in this format. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I did mention that there are a few other variants of the Lost Zone box. Um, again, like I said, the Skyseal Stone variant is the most popular. It does appear to be the most successful. Again, makes sense. You're a one-prizer deck with an aggressive prize trade, and you just make it that much more aggressive when you can take an extra prize card on VMAXs and V-Star Pokemon, respectively. So, kind of makes sense. But... There are uh, other builds, uh, the quote-unquote turbo build, as some people like to call it, where instead of the Sky Seal Stone, you play the Forest Seal Stone, uh, as well as a heavier count of Lost Vacuums. Try to make it to where you get seven in the Lost Zone by your first turn going second. That way you can use Dragonite to KO Pokemon V before they evolve, basic Pokemon EX like Miraidon, or just like any general attacker. Uh, you know, the idea is just to get Mirage Gate on the line by turn one. And um, that one seems to be pretty good. Uh, I'm, I'm a fan of that list personally. And we're also seeing the return of Sablezard, you know, the original Lost Zone box uh, as we knew it. Uh, you know, the uh, the first deck to win a regional in uh, the Lost Origin format back in the day where uh, you just kind of have the super... Low to the ground, consistent engine, comp phase, uh, Colrus. You got Charizard for heavy hitting uh, that you can kind of get in the mid game with Mirage Gates, or you could save it for the late game uh, with Claras. And it just kind of became like recycling these one energy, zero energy attackers that are all one prizers to slowly whittle away your opponent's board. And personally, I think out of all the Lost Zone boxes I've played, uh, Sable's Heart is absolutely my favorite of of just all the variants it's like i said like it's it's a lot more simple it's a lot more low to the ground uh you know no no thrills no tricks just straight up consistent and unlike other builds of lost zone box actually like can output a good amount of damage without having to rely on v pokemon which i think is very valuable yeah i have to agree i really like that variant a lot i actually uh built that on live the other day and was trying that variant out uh just because i had the cards you know i've been looking around at decks uh building a few just to try them out on live and that lost zone variant is a lot of fun like you said it's just so consistent no frills just can still do high damage without relying on v's uh that honestly probably is my contender if i was going to play a straight like Lost Zone box deck right now instead of uh, Lost Giratina? Uh, I think as far as Lost Zone box goes, I would agree. Um, uh, I, I have some choice opinions about Giratina. We'll get to that later. But um, <laughs> yeah, I think as far as Lost Zone box goes, I do actually think Sable's Art is just insanely strong. Uh, I mean, there's benefits to all three. Like, you're not wrong for, you know, wanting to play Sky Seal Stone or Turbo or Sable's Art. Like, if it's a Lost Zone box, like, it's a good deck, right? Like it's yeah. gonna be powerful. You're gonna prize trade aggressively. You're gonna give your opponents a difficult time. Can be a little difficult to play sometimes, especially uh, any of the builds that rely on Radiant Greninja and Mirage Gates. Those are particularly difficult to play. Um, but generally, no, they're just like all of them are just so strong. Like I said, I think I personally would lean on Sable Czar. Just 
Again, low to the ground, simple. It's going to use up less brain power if you're going to like a regional or something. And it's just like, it's just solid, right? Like you've got yeah. like Cramorants and Sableyes. That way you don't have to dig for a choice belt on Zard to take KOs or whatever. Like it just makes using Radiant Charizard so easy. Like the one problem with the list is that like, you know, if a deck plays the Lost City and they and they lost zone your Charizard, then like you're stuck with Sableyes and Cramorants, which... You know, sometimes are going to be great on their own, but you know there are some matchups. Or there are enough matchups where mm, it's pretty rough. Yeah, yeah. But I, I think, I, I think that's a risk. Like that's a calculated risk that you can take going into EUIC personally. Just because, like, I don't. I think really the only deck that's like playing Lost City is like Mew, and that's because yeah. they have to because of Drapion, right? And you know, if that's the only deck that's playing Lost City, then that's like. It's like fine because you can Drappy and a Mew, Charizard or use Zard to to get a Genesect. Or if you set up an, another Mew with Sableye before benching your Charizard, then you know there's your prize right there. Um, and Sableye and Cramorant on their own uh, are are capable to take out a Genesect if it falls apart somewhere in there, right? So I think like you've got a solid like even with. You playing Lost City, I think the matchup is fine enough to where you can take that calculated risk. And then against everything else, you're just like, okay, set up math here, blow blow this up with Zard here, claw it all back, do it again, you know? So yeah, it's going to take some finagling. It's a little bit different than the Lost Zone boxes that we've been seeing, uh, that have been seeing a lot of play throughout the Silver Tempest format, the Crown Zenith format, and have been more popular this go around, but still very strong in my opinion. Yeah, no, I agree. And while we're on that subject, uh, w- would you agree Lost Zone Box probably the deck to beat for EUIC? Like, if you're going to go to the event, if you yeah. beat nothing else, you want to beat Lost Zone Box? Yeah, I think it's going to be pretty important to make sure you have options against Lost Zone Box. It's just, it's so popular. Like you said, there's multiple variants of it running around. It's obviously really good. Uh I think you need to make sure you have uh, options in do awesome box. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Seems like the deck to beat. Um, but again, this being the first play Pokemon event for the Scarlet and Violet format, there's, you know, there's going to be some new stuff coming around as well. Um, I think Miraidon Regieleki has been seeing a lot of hype uh, in online tournaments lately. And it was kind of, for a while there, it was kind of like the big front runner, you know, like the big new archetype in town. I think people have started to realize that Gardevoir might be a lot better than uh, than we initially thought. So I think some of that hype is going over there. But me right on Reggie Lucky, still seeing some popularity. Uh, Josh, what are your thoughts on 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 the uh, me right on Reggie Lucky? So I mean, it's definitely good. It's definitely a good deck. But I think if you pay attention to the Japanese meta, you kind of would already know that they had this, like, happened to them. Like, you know, they first got into Scarlet and Violet, they thought Viridon and all that was insanely good, and they've kind of realized, well, definitely good, it's nowhere near as good as they all thought it would be. And I kind of feel like we're just following the same pattern over here. I, I'm glad you said that, because I, I was going to say the same thing. It Like, it's so funny to me to watch, uh, you know, all of us here in the United States or in Europe or, you know, all the all the international areas that got the set after Japan 
just go and like make the just like not even pay attention to Japan's meta and go and make the same mistakes. Let me let me just say this. Call it a hot take if you want. You don't have to agree with me, but uh, Klefki's bad in Miraidon. Don't do it. It it is not going to help you as much as you think it is, in my opinion. Because and and again, it, it's like you said. It's like we saw. That that was the first thing that they did in Japan. They're like, all right, great. Your 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 play in the lost zone box is to get two Klefki out, and then you just do switching bolt with Regieleki. You go, you know, put the Klefki active, comes to your turn, retreat, switching bolt for 30, 60, 90, you know, whatever, depending on how many V maxes you have in play. Um and then you switching bolt, hit and run into another Klefki, keep him out of the game. Uh and then the lost zone box players responded by going Attached for turn to Greninja. <laughs> yeah, it's just, you know, uh, I think this is the closest we've ever been to having the same standard uh, as Japan, and it would behoove everyone just to pay a lot, attention a lot more to what's going on over there, since they are still ahead of us a little bit. But, I mean, like, the same discoveries are going to kind of happen. You know what I mean? Like, if they've had stuff for months and haven't cracked the code with it, I think uh, it would behoove people to pay attention to that instead of uh, kind of writing it off, you know what I mean? Because, like, I mean, like we both ag- agreed, we're just seeing a lot of the same stuff happen over here that we've already seen happen over there, and it's kind of just like, why, why are we wasting our time with this? We should, we could be doing a lot more trying to figure other things out, you know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. Because, um, like I said, like you, you go take a look at some recent Japanese deck lists. They almost don't play Klefki anymore. Like there are some lists that are winning, like you know, city leagues or whatever, playing Klefki, and that's all fine and well. Like it is a fine strategy, right? Like it is going yeah. to work to some degree. But again, like the counterplay for this is already, you know, has already been discovered. And, you know, the people that have been keeping up with Japan's meta, the Lost Zone Box players are, you know, they're just they're just going to do what they, what they know they did in already. Japan. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we have seen some evolutions on it. You know, instead of going for Klefki, I've seen Miraidon decks go with the Luxray V with its Fang Snipe attack, does 30 damage, and then you get to look at your opponent's hand and discard a trainer card you find there. So the idea with that is that you go judge, put them down to a four-card hand, which already kind of is really annoying for them, and then you, you follow it up with Fang Snipe. That attack damage is boosted by Regieleki VMAX, so you're probably getting a KO on a Comfe in the process, and you get to discard a trainer card from their hand, which more often than not is going to be a Colrus's experiment, right? So you can hit them with a judge, take out a Comfe, rip a Colrus out of their hand, and say, okay, you have a three-card hand. You're going to draw for turn. You just lost a Comfey. Get out of this, or I'm going to do it again. And, you know, that that's kind of how they've been trying to brick them over there now. I think it's seen a little bit more success. Um, it's still kind of still kind of iffy. I think the most recent uh, innovation uh, that we've seen uh, for the Miraidon Lost Box kind of metagame there is to actually go with a Magnazone V-Star package. Uh, Magnazone V-Star for Lightning and two colorless lets you search your deck. It does like 180 damage or something like that and lets you search your deck for two item cards. Pretty good. You can get your electricity generators. You can, you know, find some ball search cards, switch cards, you know, whatever. Whatever you need. But it's V-Star power for two Lightning Energy. Just is just a, a 90 stipe in two places, just like Radiant Greninja. 
so you know kind of getting the jump on them uh you know for any you know for like a lost box player especially like very early on in a closed deckless kind of environment they see me ride on and they go oh okay mm-hmm. there's no bench sniping here i don't need to worry i you know i can get rid of my mana fee and then you know the magna zone comes down and i go oh uh no i can't <laughs> so there's been some interesting innovations on it um i i gotta be honest though like Despite all that, I'm just, like, not hot on Miraidon just in general, to be honest. Like, I don't like the idea of having, like, three prize support Pokemon just chilling on my bench. You know, they're big, they're beefy, they got 310 HP. In certain matchups, they can be used to tank a hit and then retreat because it's got free retreat. That's all well and good, but, like, I don't know. Those those are just three prizes that are just sitting there, and that that just makes me a little antsy. It's it's definitely a good deck but i have to agree with you i mean i've been playing a fair bit of live since post rotation and i'm gonna be honest to you i have not lost to a single miradon deck yet i mean i've been playing lost zone gear and gardevoir pretty much exclusively but it's just i'm never that afraid of it you know what i mean like you said there's lots of big juicy targets on the bench for me to get a hold of uh i don't know it's just i'm not really too worried about damage with any of it I don't think it's that scary right now. I do I do think it's good, but I don't know. It just doesn't do enough, in my opinion. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, the big thing for me is that there's like a, there's like a, deceptive, a deceptively large number of ways to take advantage of the deck, right? Yeah. You know, like we said, there's, you know, you've got three prize bench sitters, which, I mean, of course, you can't attack with them. G-Max Thunder and Lightning is a fine attack, um, but not like particularly ideal. It's kind of, you know... You're you're wanting to go in with these basic Pokemon, do big damage because the V Max is never gonna never gonna reach KO numbers on V Star or V Max Pokemon. That's Miraidon and Raikou's job, right? So you have these squishy basic Pokemon. You have three prizers that just chill on the bench uh, and are you know liabilities in some form or fashion. Lots of decks, especially Lawson Box have started teching in, like, Galarian Zapdos V, which this deck just absolutely folds to. <laughs> <laughs> and it's pretty weak to judge path, right? Like, if you... Yeah. Especially going first, you drop a path, Tandem Unit is no longer an option. And because Tandem Unit is so good, like, they might be a little bit lower on the ball search cards and relying on that, so... You know, Path Judge is a good way to keep them out of the game. If they can't bump the path, Photon Blaster locks out at 220 damage, which is, you know, fine, but not, you know, by the time you get to that stage of the game, you want to be, like, hitting V-Star numbers, and if Path is in play, you just can't. Yeah. Uh, And on top of that, you have, you don't really have an onboard draw engine. Like, your draw engine is all supporter-based, which is not always the end of the world, but, like, for this format, again, like I said, like... The Lost Zone decks in Mew don't have this problem, so it's difficult for every other deck to keep pace with those decks because they're all of their engines are supporter-based or don't get online until like the mid to late game, like the Barrels and Curlias and stuff. So it's just kind of like, there. there's like a lot of little things about Miraidon. Now, you know, it, it kind of counterbalances that by being one of the very few decks in the format that can just have this pop-off turn one going second you know, KO an evolving V and really put the pressure on your opponent. Like that's a, that's a big deal. You don't want to sleep on that for sure. But 
I, I think all the other things that you could take advantage of are just a little too much, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I just think it does. It, it, there's too many ways to shut it down or make it too hard for it to get online. It's, I don't know, it's definitely good, like you said. If you go turn two and you pop off, like, you won the match. But Basically, yeah. Yeah, but it's just, it's very hard to be that consistent with a supporter-based supporter based draw engine, like you said. So, I mean, it is... It is what it is. Uh, I don't know. You know, something might happen, and it might Miradon might be crazier later on. But right now, I think it's a pretty like solid option. I will say. I can't say it's bad. Yeah, it, it's definitely. If nothing else, it's definitely very popular. Um, it, it's seen a lot of hype. A lot of people really excited to play the deck, and especially since it just recently won the uh, Champions League in Miyagi, Japan. Uh, roughly 2,000 plus person uh, tournament uh, with the Magnazone tech. I think the, you know, I think any detractors in the deck who might have been dissuaded from playing it might might be inspired to give it a shot again. So I would expect to, I mean, even if that didn't happen, I would say expect to see it at EUIC. I mean, it's just really popular. And there are a lot of people that like the, you know, the basic Pokemon go fast, hit hard type deck, um, you know, Forget the fizzle out, just, you know, win the game before it happens <laughs> type deal. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of people that are fans of strategies like that. So, you know, it, it it's it's a matchup that you're going to want to know for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Now I'm going to let you take the reins on this one. Another popular archetype uh, going into, really just going into this format in general. The first viable stage two that we've had in a very long time and arguably the best card from the scarlet and violet expansion set we have gardevoir ex just an absolute absurd powerhouse of a deck definitely requires a lot of setup but if you get there i mean what what do you do right (laughs) like what do you actually do (laughs) yeah uh i think i've talked about it here and there but Definitely, this is the deck I've been looking at playing for a while. Uh, I'm a huge Gardevoir fan. My favorite Pokemon, which, Phelan, you're also a huge Gardevoir fan. I do love it's kind of funny. Gardevoir, yeah. Uh, I don't think I ever stated a lot, but me and Phelan are kind of insane because, like, <laughs> we share a lot of the same favorite Pokemon. Like, I'm a huge lover of Sylveon. Uh, Phelan can tell you I used to talk about Sylveon nonstop back yeah. in X and Y. Yeah. yeah, and then we both love Gardevoir. We both love fairies. That's what it is. We just... Fairies type Pokemon are the best. Yeah, they're Bring really cool. Bring back the pink cards. <laughs> Bring them back. I wish. Uh, anyway, so I'd been planning on playing this deck for a long time, and I've been playing it a lot, trying to get uh, used to it. I've already like bought all the cards to play in IRL, and I went ham. I've started max raritying the deck already. I already I bought like 80% of it. I'm going to have to do another go-around, and get some more balls. I want to get like the uh, pre-release Curlias for the deck and I want to get the blinged out energy because I do. I'm already planning on making this my like fully max rarity deck because I plan on playing this for a long time. <laughs> nice. I know. Yeah. But uh, enough gushing about the deck. Uh, I enjoy this deck a lot. Gardevoir is really good. Uh, just the energy acceleration is crazy. I remember we were playing the other night last week, and uh, our buddy Dom joined the Discord, and he joined the stream, and he went, why is there energy on that Gardevoir? 
something's about to get nuked. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like you said, it's a very powerful deck. Uh, I'm going to... Let me pull up Gardevoir EX real quick so I can go over it. I know we've covered it before, but the EX Pokemon are still pretty new, so I guess we should probably... Yeah, for anyone. Touch on what they do. Yeah. yeah. My internet is so slow today. Might be the storm. I was about to say, probably. <laughs> there we go. Alright, so Gardevoir EX is crazy good because of its ability, Psychic Embrace. So, as often as you like during your turn, you may attach a basic Psychic Energy card from your discard pile to one of your Psychic Pokemon. If you attach energy to a Pokemon in this way, put two damage counters on that Pokemon. You can't use this ability on Pokemon that would be knocked out. So, I mean, we all know that Energy Acceleration is crazy good, and this is just insanely good Energy Acceleration. Yeah, you're taking a little bit of damage here or there, but the benefits far outweigh that. Yeah, very much so. Especially because, like, and I think, like, what makes Gardevoir, like, just so strong is that its evolution line is, like, blessed, right? Yeah. Like, you have a 70 HP Ralts, the Curlia draws cards, you have a Gardevoir whose damage scales with every psychic energy attached to it, and it draws cards... And mm -hmm. it has a split evolution that allows you to find supporters through Glade. So, like, and you know what? Glade Swirling Slice Attack is also pretty good, so... <laughs> yeah, it's really good. Uh, it definitely can struggle a little bit, because kind of getting your engine going can take a minute, you know? It's, it's usually around. Yeah. yeah, so you usually can get that online, like, early mid-game-ish, or, like, mid-game in general, um... But once you get those pieces going, it's crazy good, and it's pretty consistent, actually. I don't ever have a lot of trouble uh, getting the deck online for the most part, just unless my opponent's putting, like, an insane amount of pressure on me, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, the Gardevoir, like, metagame, I think it's been, like, pushed to such a crazy point at this, like, at this stage of the game, where, like, like flooding your board with Ralts in the early game is, like... Like, that part's been figured out, right? Like, we're talking, like, yeah, four level yeah. ball, four fog crystal, ultra ball. Some lists are even playing, like, quad battle VIP pass. Um, just, you know, just to get... Yeah, anything to try up. to get... Yeah, anything to try to get your board set up as early as possible. Because that, that really is the deciding factor. I think... Uh, I think of the first time I ran into it is you played against when we were playing each other that night, and you just kept grabbing my Ralts and KOing them, and I just uh, couldn't get away out of it. It was really rough. It's very important to get those multiple Ralts you know, out early. Yeah, absolutely, and that's kind of like the key, right? But, you know, so like we said, like it's a Stage 2 deck, and Stage 2 decks just by nature take time to set up, but if you do get it set up, again, like we said, you have the Gardevoir in there, which scales based on the number of psychic energy attached to it, and you have basically infinite energy acceleration from your discard pile, which is just absurd. Um, and there's a Zacian V that does the same thing, right? Like, it literally has... It's basically the exact same attack, right? Yeah. Uh, and the benefit there is that it's it's a basic Pokemon V, which means it can use Star Order and take extra prizes. So, like, Gardevoir just becomes, like, this insane, like, uptrading deck where it's just, like... Use a one prizer, take two prizes. Use a three or use a two prizer, take three, take four prizes because the sky seal stone, right? Like, yeah, like it, it's very similar to Lost Zone Box in that way, where it's just like it's 
basically always going to be on the prize card advantage. Like, it, it's always going to be taking more prize cards than you are. Because, I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm not gusting around a Gardevoir that just did, just did 300 damage. <laughs> you, yeah. have to, you have to take that thing yeah. out. <laughs> like, you have to deal with that immediately. <laughs> which, a... like, is kind of absurd, right? Because, like, you can't gust around it, otherwise you're just going to lose another important Pokemon and lose faster. But if you mm-hmm. KO it, you give Gardevoir all that energy to re-accelerate to something else. So it's just like, you know, yeah, unless I mean, you have, like, paths or something ready, it's like a trap. Like, you just kind of, like, they, they get you snared into a trap, and you're just like, well, uh, just kind of have to deal with what they give me now, I guess. Yeah, it's one of those decks that uh, once they get set up and get multiple Gardevoirs going, it, it's very scary to deal with, because it really is. It's like, what do you target? It's like, do I deal with the Gardevoir that's about to do an insane amount of damage? Do I try to take the energy engine offline? Like, it's there's not really a good pick. You know what I mean? They're both, they both don't feel good. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it's just like... I, maybe it's just me, but I also feel like there's just like a distinct lack of path to the peak in the format right now. Yeah, there really is. Which is kind of funny because, like, that hurts a lot of decks, but, like, not a lot. Obviously, not a lot of decks want to play it because mm-hmm. they need their abilities, right? So, uh, I think Gardevoir can sometimes struggle with the Judge Path decks. I say sometimes because Judge doesn't really do anything if you have a bunch of Curlias and Gardevoir in play. You know, you can just. Okay, these four cards, well, this one's an energy, or I don't need this one, so refinement, discard, draw two. And then, you know, that's more cards for you to look at and refine away, and then that becomes more cards to look at and refine away. Uh, you know, things of that nature. So, it it's it's a difficult deck to shut down. It's got, you know, it's got a little bit of trouble with the Lost Zone box. Lost Zone uh, does grief evolving EX Pokemon pretty effectively, but Gardevoir players have found ways to get around that. Uh, you know, I've, we've seen things like the Cresselia with the Moonglow reverse attack, uh, Emergency Jelly in some lists, or even U2V Union in some cases. Um, and, I've, you know, even in some online tournaments, I've seen some with, like, uh, the Bayonet EX try to go for mm-hmm. item lock, try to slow down the Lost Zone players. Um, so... In, you know, the Gardevoir players have come up with ways to deal with the matchup, and I think it's cool that we have a Stage 2 deck that is really good, a meta threat, one of the best decks in the game. And its worst matchup is, like, Lost Zone Box, but, like, even though it's unfavorable, like, it's, it's not, winnable. like, an auto-loss or anything. Yeah, it's still fairly, like, winnable if, you're able, if you play well. It's, uh... I'm liking the deck a lot. I, I'm kind of happy people have seen how good it is because it definitely got written off when it got first announced i think at least a little bit uh i think people were like that's good but it's not that good but now since it's come out i think people's eyes have kind of been opened and they're like no this deck's one of the best decks in the format yeah there were a lot of people that were like oh loses the lost zone box it must not be that good and it's like well you know you kind of have to just you know, advance the metagame a little bit, you know. Yeah, I think it's a it's a deck that takes a bit of practice, but I think if you practice well with it, I think it's a very safe choice to take to uh to take to the tournament. Oh, I th- yeah, I think it's absolutely one of the best yeah. calls for EUIC personally. I mean, it's, it's just, just like a ridiculously powerful deck. 
Yeah, it's like you said, you don't really lose to anything, and your worst matchup's Lost Zone Box, but it's really not that bad. So now, it's just, well, let me ask you this: you know, we mm -hmm. I think the most popular variant is just like, you know, heavy on the Guardies, Zacian Sky Seal Stone Package, Emergency Jellies. You know, basically copying the second place list from the uh, Aichi Champions League from Japan. Um, but we started to see a few more variants pop up, like I mentioned before, the Mewtwo V Union, the Bayonet EX. Do you have any experience with those? Like, what are your what are your thoughts on those? Do you think there's like more room for the meta to turn towards those lists maybe or do you think it's probably going to stick with the you know the Aichi cookie cutter thing for for the long haul uh i don't have any personal experience with those lists yet i haven't uh played them or played against them i've seen them and they do look interesting i know the emergency jelly list is really popular right that right now i'm gonna be honest uh people may not agree with me i think that list is kind of mid it's the list i've been playing and it's definitely not bad but i really just don't like it i don't think it's uh i don't think it's nearly i don't think like using the jellies and stuff is nearly as useful as it could be uh i actually i've been trying out the list that a uh, friend of the podcast Jake, your your friend, uh, graciously sent to you to send to me so I could try out. And I do have to say, I like his variant more. Uh, just yeah. It feels more consistent to me. And I don't know, the jellies just feel very gimmicky. I don't know what your opinion is on that. Uh, I, I'm kind of split on the jellies. I think they're fine. Like, I understand why they're there. It's kind of like prevents Lost Zone Box from... Uh, having the crazy sprinkle plays with the Lost Mine, that's kind of like the biggest thorn in your side when it comes to Lost Zone Box. Right? Because if you, like, accelerate... Because, you know, they'll, they'll be playing Pokemon Vs, right? So you're going to need to get those Gardevoir up to some high energy counts to take KOs. You know, if you do that mm -hmm. and you leave that Guardi susceptible to a pretty easy Lost Mine KO, and then they can set up another Guardi, or they can take out a Ralts... Or whatever. And remember, you can't knock out your Pokemon using Psychic Embrace, right? Like, so yeah. if they get to, like, pile a little bit of sprinkle damage on the, on the, like, your Guardies, and, like, that's preventing how, you know, how high the numbers can get, which sometimes it matters, sometimes it doesn't. So the Jelly can prevent that while, so, like, you can get those big numbers you need to get the KOs while healing the Gardevoir so it can tank a cram hit, it can, you know, absorb a lost mind basically you know things of that nature like i said i think i think it's fine but like sometimes i don't know it's one of those things where it's like lost zone box is just like so variable like mm. they if they see that they're like okay well i'll just do this play over here and try to set that up again later you know like yeah. you're gonna run out of, of jellies eventually right so it's just like yeah you have to time it extremely well and a lot of times you might just end up like discarding it just to set up, right? So for me, it's hit or miss. I think it's fine, but do I think it's necessary? No, probably not. I think if like you just play really well, you can still beat them. So yeah, I mean, I'm of the same opinion. That's why I've kind of decided to move away from them. Uh... Or at the very least, like the Cresselia can like hard carry. You know, yeah. it's not, it's not going to win you the matchup, but it's going to do a lot of work for sure. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, I have to agree. And I just, I know that's the most popular variant, but I, 
am definitely looking to move into another direction. I don't know what that direction will be, because I do think there is still some room for some more, probably different variants of Guard of War 2 show up. But uh, I think it's a good starting point, I guess. Yeah, there is a lot to explore. Uh, I know, like, the big talk, like, when the card was first revealed, just people, oh, you pair this with Shadow Rider, make it do big damage immediately. But, you know, that hasn't really happened. And, again, of course, like I said, you know, like, we started to see the Mewtwo variants do particularly well in online tournaments in our area. I'm a big fan of the Mewtwo version, personally. Uh, that is the one variant of Gardevoir that I've tested more than any other. And I'm a big fan of it. Uh, if your opponent is unable to set up Drapion with Lost Zone Box, like you basically just win. Because Mewtwo is just so big, it can heal, it can spread more damage counters than Sableye. Um, so Mewtwo is like really powerful. Mm -hmm. But every Lost Zone deck is playing Drapion, so that's kind of the scary part. So it's like, it's. I think it improves the matchup in Lost Zone Box, but like. Not enough to where it's considered favorable because of Drapion, right? So mm -hmm. you kind of have to finagle it, like maybe get a path to the peak uh, thrown out there, which is kind of dicey in and of itself. Uh, do like some Roxanne, Psy Explosion plays, things of that nature. It, it gets really awkward really quickly the more you think about it, but... Uh, you know, the Mewtwo does have potential for sure. So I, I wouldn't be surprised to see like a Guardi Mewtwo have like a somewhat deep run at EUIC uh, next weekend. That mm -hmm. wouldn't surprise me at all, to be perfectly honest. Do I think it's going to win or maybe even make top cut? Eh, probably not, but I, I, I do think there's there's potential there. Yeah, I have to agree with you. Uh I definitely, like I said, I don't think it's the best deck in the format, but it is really, really good. Well, speaking of best deck in the format, let's talk about what I think is BDIF. Oh boy. Big man Giratina. This deck is absolutely absurd. So, uh, pretty similar to Lost Zone Boxing. You know, it's got the Lost Zone engine, it's got the Mirage Gates. Uh, you know, instead of just relying on a variety of Pokemon V, as well as your one-prizers. You've kind of got a bigger emphasis on the Giratina V-Star. Makes sense. Card is absolutely cracked. Lost impact for Grass Psychic Colorless. You deal 280 base damage, which, you know, this thing is just absolutely the V-Star killer. And then you have Star Requiem for a Grass and a Psychic. As long as you got 10 cards in your Lost Zone, once per game you just get to knock out whatever's active, uh, which is just really strong. And, I, I mean, this deck is absurd. Especially if you follow me on Twitter, you know that I just, like, am pretty sold on this deck being the best deck in format. Because, I mean, if you think about it, right, you could play it like a one-prize deck. You don't have to commit to the Giratina. You have a delete button in Star Requiem. Lost Impact does an absurd amount of damage. Lost Mine is ridiculous. You have Bench Sniping with Greninja. Uh, you know... Drapion to deal with Mew, or if somebody thinks they're being slick and bringing Espeon VMAX to block Star Requiem and Lost Mine, Drapion V can deal with that too. You know, Giratina V itself doesn't have a weakness. Like, this this deck just has so many things going for it. And it's to the point where I'm just like, how do you beat this thing? Like, the only, the only solid advice that anybody seems to have for anything ever is... Spam Judge and Prey. 
And sure, that'll mm-hmm. work, but if you spam Judge and they find a Colrus, and remember, they will also have Flower Selectings, and if you didn't have a path to go along that, Concealed Cards as well, if they find a Colrus, the Judge was basically worthless. Like, they, they, they see so many cards at that point that it's just like, it, it doesn't matter. They're going to piece together the combo anyway. They're going to get to Star Wreck. You know what I mean? Yeah. So when I look at all that combined, and I'm just like, how, how do you win? Like, <laughs> how, do you, how do you beat this? I, and I know, like, a lot of people aren't going to agree with me on that. Like, I think the general consensus is that, like, Giratina V-Star was, like, so good in Japan's early meta, which is what caused the Lost Zone box to be really good, because that's kind of the thing, is, like, Lost Zone box, like, is favored against Giratina just because it does the one-prize Lost Zone thing better, more efficiently, so it mm-hmm. gets to uptrade more effectively. But it's, like, we know from the Lost Origin format that... Despite the fact that it's Lost Zone box favored, Giratina can still win this matchup, you know, without having to, without having to go too far out of its way to tech for it or anything like that. You know what I mean? So it's just like, yeah. if that's its worst matchup and it has all of this stuff, and the only counterplay that every other deck has is spam judge and pray, like, sounds sounds like BDIF to me. That's all I'm saying. Definitely, I have to agree with you. It's, I mean, it's really, really good. You know, it's, I think it's very hard to shut down. It's a pain to deal with. Yeah, absolutely. So it has not been like super popular lately, which I guess I'm okay with considering just mm-hmm. like how much trouble this deck has given me. But um, I don't know. I'm kind of, I'm kind of curious to hear like, like why you think it's on the downtrend lately. I mean, like, you know, like I said, Lost Zone Box started seeing a lot of play just because, like, it, you know, it's got a solid matchup spread. It's one of the few decks that, in my opinion, is favored into Giratina. Um, and as such, even in Japan, even here in the States, Giratina's not, like... It's obviously very good. Like, people look at it as an S-tier deck. Obviously extremely strong, but it just has not had as much hype surrounding it. Curious to get your thoughts on that. Uh... I'm going to say partially, and definitely this isn't the biggest part, but I think partially it's because, I mean, we're in a new format. Scarlet Violet just came out. We got all these EXs to play with. So I think a lot of people are more interested in in seeing what those can do than just playing the BDIF, because everyone knows gear is good, you know? It's, It's like, not changed at all. Yeah. It's like, we played it in Lost Origin. It took a break for Crown Zenith format. And then it came back, and it's like, what I miss? I'm like, not a single card has changed. <laughs> yeah, it's just, uh, I mean, obviously, it's very, very good. It's definitely the best deck in the format. But I think part of it, like I said, is people experimenting. And also, while it definitely is the BDIF, uh, I still think it's more reasonable to deal with than Lugia Archeops was. I, I still think, uh, or I do think that there is more options to be able to play other things or be able to try to play into the Lasso matchup. So people are more, you know, willing to play other decks than just everyone flock to Giratina. That is fair. Because, uh, you know, the thing about Lugia Archeops in the Crown Zenith format is that, like, once they popped the, the Summoning Star, Hand Disruption didn't matter anymore. They were still going to get the energy they needed, right? And, you know, they played such an absurd amount of Pokemon Search that they were probably going to draw into some kind of Pokemon search card if they needed to search another Pokemon out, right? So, you know, that was the thing. is just because 
you know, oh, you played Marnie, oh, you played Judge, cool. Uh, well, I'm just going to accelerate the energy with Primal Turbo anyway, because it comes from the deck. I don't need anything in hand to do it. So I, I do think that's kind of like the big thing that, and where you kind of like can make the differentiation with Giratina, because it's like, yeah, you can just burst any attacker from zero energy to whatever you need in one go, thanks to Mirage Gate, but... You need to have the Mirage Gate in hand. Sometimes you need to have a Switch card to move the Pokemon around. And those are, you know, those are essentially just combo pieces at the end of the day, right? So you you hit them with a barrage of judges or hand disruption or anything like that. You know, they're they're gonna that that's gonna hurt them throughout the entirety of the game, where that wasn't really the case for Lugia, uh, you know, pre-rotation, right? So it's like Okay, I've got the combo pieces for what I need next turn. Oh, they just got all judged away. Okay, well, hope I can find them off of flower selecting. Maybe draw a Colrus or whatever. Um, so, so that is a, that is a that is a interesting distinction to make there for sure. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's a it's definitely very scary. Obviously, I mean, it can get set up very fast, and Lost Zone has so many options they can play into just being able to harass you early game with Kramer Ants while they're setting up their Giratina to using Sableye to pick off people to just having the one-hit KO button online whenever you want. It's, it's very, very scary, definitely. But I I am kind of glad that it hasn't uh, completely dominated and flooded the format because I will admit I was a little bit worried about people just deciding to play Giratina. But I think so far... Uh, it'll be okay, and I think this format is going to be healthier than uh, what we've been dealing with. But I will say, yeah, no question. You, <laughs> yeah, I will say if you are wanting to go to EUIC and win, uh, Giratina is probably one of the best options you could take with you. Yeah, I mean, like a solid S-tier contender for sure. Just an absolutely broken, absurd deck. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I think you just hit the nail on the head right there. I mean, it's, it's just... You've got all the tools. You can you can poke while setting up, and then you just have this absolute nuclear behemoth in the late game, right? So uh, definitely a really powerful deck. Um, I also want to say that like, I think another reason why people may not be like privy to play Giratina as much, is that, like, Giratina was, like, already a really difficult deck to play in the Lost Origin format, and like I said, like, the deck has not changed. Quick ball switch for Nest Ball, and that was about it. Um, so Giratina was, like, already a difficult deck to play in the Lost Origin format, and that still holds true, uh, because Lost Impact is just such a resource-heavy attack. You know, 280 is great, but then having the Lost Zone 2 energy... And, you know, especially, like, one prize matchups, maybe Guard of War or whatever. You know, you kind of need to be getting a specific amount of value out of that to make it worth, you know, in general. So, I think Giratina, like, being a difficult deck and the fact that, like, it just was not particularly viable in the Crown Zenith format. You know, more people are just more familiar with how to play Lost Zone Box. Right? Like, okay, well... This has a good matchup into just about everything and is one of the few decks that does well against Giratina. I've been playing Lost Zone Box all throughout Crown Zenith format. I just kind of get this deck. Let me just stick with this. This is easier, right? So uh, I, I think that might also have something to do with it. Yeah, I can definitely see that point. It's a, it is kind of a 
it is kind of hard right now with all the EXs running around uh, and all the Stage 2s and Evolutions because it, it's a lot easier for your opponent to manipulate their board and just make those really unfavorable trades for you. Like you said, even though Gardevoir struggles with uh, Lost Zone decks, I found Lost Zone Giratina to be one of the easier Lost Zone decks to deal with. Just because, I mean, you can make really unfavorable trades into Giratina Lost Zone box. <clears throat> it's, it's definitely still very scary, but, you know, there are viable options to win. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we mentioned the boogeyman of the previous format, and he just won't go away. <laughs> Lugia V-Star with Archeops is still an absurdly powerful deck and is still performing absurdly well in this format. And, like, I knew this was going to happen, but I'd be lying if I said I wasn't at least a little bit mad about it. I'm going to keep it real with you. <laughs> so Lugia V-Star has adopted the training of the Single Strike Master, uh, going with the single strike package, most predominantly with Tyranitar V and Stonejourner. Tyranitar V being a dark type basic Pokemon V with 230 HP, uh, which is, you know, for a basic V is fairly beefy. Uh, but also, again, just being a dark type, such a great type. You know, you can hit Gardevoir for weakness. You can hit Mew V Max for weakness. So you don't really need to be, like, running Drapion or anything like that. Like, you've got the Dark type just baked right into the list. And then Stonejourner for the Regieleckis, the Arceus decks, uh, you know, things of that nature. I mean, that Stonejourner absolutely solos the 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 Mirai Dawn matchup. It's not even funny. <laughs> like, actually, yeah, it's, it's very funny, but... <laughs> it is funny, but it, it really does. It just completely shuts it down. Yeah, because if you, like, you get the, if you get the Summoning Star... And you bench two Stone Journer. It, like you just look at your opponent, you just like GG, shake my hand. You lose. You lose. Yeah. So it's over. Because you know, Lugia still plays a lot of gusts. You know, uh we're talking like you know, three boss, one Serena, two boss, two Serena, you know. There's a lot of gust in the deck because this is this is a deck with just absurd one-shot potential. I mean, Tyranitar V with four single strike energy hits like, what is this? 260, 280, 320. It hits 320. And it's just like, nothing yeah, that's, that's, in this format that's is going to survive. This format. Yeah. So, you know, when, when you have that much power, obviously you want to have like a ton of gusting, right? So, uh, Miraidon definitely struggles quite a bit because, you know, it's just, okay, Gus this Regieleki, KO with Stonejourner, Gus this Regieleki, KO with Stonejourner, GG. Or you don't even have to do that. Like, Tyranitar can hit those numbers so long as you have the single strike energy in your deck to get there, right? Mm -hmm. So it's just like, again, it's just one of those decks where it's like, if it sets up, like, you're probably, it's probably not looking good for you, dude. It's probably not looking good for you. <laughs> But Definitely. therein lies the problem. We don't have Quick Ball anymore. We don't have Evolution Incense anymore. Uh, a playset of Ultra Ball is not like particularly great at like getting you the double Archeops in your discard pile, right? So a lot of the Lugia decks have like leaned on playing a copy of Professor Burnett. So in their early game, they find the Luminian V, grab the Professor Burnett, use a supporter just to discard two cards from the deck. Uh, of course, being Archeops. 
So you get them into play later. Of course, you're still very weak to path judge. Um, you know, all kinds of stuff. So um, that that's the deck's biggest flaw. I don't know if you've playtested any Lugia post-rotation, Josh. I have. It is an absolute pile. <laughs> uh, I have not. I I like just had no interest in even playing it, I'm going to be honest. I mean, I I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. I know. I know about it. I've played against it once or twice. And yeah, I mean, if it can get going, it's definitely scary. But uh, man, you're right. It is just a pile. (laughs) Yeah, it's just like that setup is is the hard part. Because it's just like, man, you don't really realize how good four quick ball, four evolution incense, four ultra ball really lean into the Lugia strategy until it's gone. And you're just like, what am I doing? You got to play the Mesa Goza, which is, you know, basically Pokeball on a coin flip. So if, you know, you play that, even if it flips heads and you get to search for whatever Pokemon you want, well, guess what? Your opponent now has that opportunity as well. Again, now for me personally, I don't particularly care about like stadiums that give beneficial effects to my opponent. I know there are a lot of people that can like get really upset about that for whatever reason. And like, I get it, but like, you know, uh, I I think it's something that's been a part of Pokemon for quite a while. Right, you should be used to it by now. It's it, you know it's just how they balance it. It's very powerful abilities, but both people get access to them sometimes yeah. to the determinant of one deck more than the other. But I mean, it is what it is. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, again, like it just has like a surprising amount of tools that you might like not have expected, right? Because like. Like, even against, like, Lawson Box, like, it's kind of okay, because, again, Tyranitar V is, like, really beefy, and its first attack, Cragalanch, 60 damage and mill two cards. Well, you can boost that damage up by single strike energy, first and foremost, but... So you can, like, KO Comfies and mill two cards, and, like, the last place Lawson decks want their resources is in the discard pile. I mean, I guess unless it's energy, maybe, but, like, you know, even then, right? It's just, like... Okay. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's just really interesting to me. So I kind of hate that this pile of a deck is still doing well because I don't think anybody here that played Crown Zenith format for six months <laughs> wants to ever see this card hit the board again. But like it or not, it is still good. It is here to stay. Even if it is a pile. I mean, it was a pile before. Let's be real here. But yeah, even if it is a pile, it's a very powerful pile. And you have to respect it, unfortunately. Definitely you do. You just you still have to respect it. Uh, but, I mean, it's it's nowhere near as strong as it was. So Thank God. You, yeah. You, you don't have to worry about playing against us probably like 80% of your games. <laughs> but I definitely... You, still want to make sure that you have some options against it now let's kind of round things out here with uh just another another one of those decks that will just never go away we love to hate it uv max the fusion strike system uh kind of uh kind of up in the air like 50 50 style you know for a while there, a lot of people were like, oh, you got to play the DTE build. That's the best way to play Mew VMAX. Ever since mm-hmm. that was debuted by Michael Pramawad at the World Championships, that has been the go-to build for Mew VMAX. I've personally disagreed with that for most of, you know, most of its time. But 
be that as it may. Uh, you know, in Japan, the early format was like, yeah, you got to go Path Judge Mew, DDE all the way. But as the meta has evolved in Japan, they've started to go closer, like back to the Fusion Strike build, you know, including Deoxys as a great one price attacker against like the Lost Zone decks. Uh, mm-hmm. Of course, having that burst potential to better dispatch Drapions and EX Pokemon and stuff like that. Um so, so we'll start with this. If you were to play Mew VMAX in this format, would you kind of stick with the Judge Path double turbo type deal? Or do you or do you agree with, you know, kind of this this ongoing movement that it's time to go back to like the fusion build? Uh I think I'm more in the it's time to go back to the fuchsia build camp. Uh I mean there's a reason the fusion build's very good, you know, it's so consistent, it's very strong. Uh I don't think you have as much to worry about anymore, you know kind of we moved away from it like you said a lot of people were trying out a couple different variants but i think at this point fusion strike is uh it would definitely be my preferred option at least if i was going to go back to play mew yeah i i think i agree with you um there's not really like again just like the variants of like lost zone box there's not really a wrong answer here but like it's just one of those things, like, I've always touted that Fusion Mew is just better at dispatching Drapion than the Double Turbo Mew, in my opinion. Because, you know, attacking with a Meloetta, it's a little bit more difficult for people using Drapion to to work around. Just because yeah. it's like, well, okay, there's that one prize are active, now i got to find a, you know, a Gust card too, right? And it's like, okay, well, if you got it, you got it. But, like... Yeah, I mean... And kind of like what we talked about earlier, just the fact that the Fusion Strike engine has its own built-in draw engine, I think is a lot more powerful now than it used to be. It's, and it's like, it's not the deck that's really upset by the loss of Quick Balls or anything like that. I don't think you have to worry about being as like Turbo anymore with the double Turbo Energy build. Just because, like, Archaeops isn't running around everywhere, like, setting everything up in one turn. I mean... Like you said, it's still good, but it's kind of a pile. I can't really do that anymore. It's a lot harder to get it going. Uh, so you can afford to just go back and set on your Fusion Strike engine. Like you said, I agree. It plays better into Drapion. So I think I just think it's the better option all around. I want to be honest. Yeah, I agree. And I've, you know, long-time listeners of the show know that I've always been on the Fusion side of things when it comes to Mew. The only time, the only time that it has ever been correct to play Double Turbo Mew over any other variant has been in the crown zenith format because uh judge path does way better into like crown zenith lugia than anything fusion could ever do right so yeah in my opinion you know as the only time you should have ever played double turbo energy now we're back to you know we don't have to worry about lugia going crazy anymore i think we're at a point where like yeah we can go back and say that the fusion strike version of Mew is better. Again, like, I just like... A, it just, like, the absurd burst potential of the deck. Like, if... Like, it's crazy to me that, like, it has such a strong opening going first and second, and, like, you opted to take away that that strong advantage by playing the double turbo build. Like, I don't understand, like, why you'd ever want to do that. Like, 
why play a list that actually has to care about the coin flip when you could play a list that doesn't care about the coin flip, right? Like, you have the yeah. potential to miss the high roll and possibly waste some resources, but, like, if you get familiar with the Fusion Strike engine, you know when to go for it and you know when to not go for it, right? Like, mm -hmm. skill issue, TBH. But, <laughs> but yeah, like, again, like, I think the big thing is, like, I just like having one prize attackers, to be honest. I think, like, this is a format where having one prize attackers... Very similar to, to to the Brilliant Stars format. This is a format where having one prize attackers, I think, is more important than ever, personally, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, we're just not in the kind of format anymore where you can rely on a, you know, big HP, big damage, uh, but high prize card monsters. You know, it's, uh, it's just there's so many more stage twos running around. There's so many more evolution lines. It. If you try to do that, I think you're just, for the most part, going to get out-traded every time. Because, you know, those small attackers can just afford to trade in their deck. So not being able to have your own one-prizers to kind of put up there, do some damage, and take some trades is actually a pretty big detriment, I have to agree. Yeah, especially with Sky Sealstone Drapion running all over the place. Mm -hmm. It uh, definitely helps to have some one-prizers to try to get in the way of that or slow it down a little bit. And... You know, there is still room to run path in, like, the fusion build. It's not at, like, you're not going to be as consistently able to get rid of it like you can in the double turbo build. I'll grant you that. But, like, you can kind of still finagle it in there, albeit at, like, lower counts because you need to make room for the Meloettas, the Fusion Strike Energy, the Elisa, blah, 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 blah. But, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I'm certainly Team Fusion for sure. So those are the big archetypes that kind of seem to be running and dominating the format right now. Kind of the big ones that have been uh, playing particularly well. Um, I got a few other archetypes outside these six that I, I kind of want to give a brief highlight to. But uh, Josh, before I do that, are there any like kind of archetypes outside these six that you've kind of noticed creeping up or ones that you like to talk about? Maybe some that you've tested that uh, might make even... A niche appearance at uh, EUIC? Uh, I have a couple. I think the Dialga Magnazone deck is actually pretty good. That deck is absurd. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I would uh, definitely keep your eye on that and make sure you know what to do if you're playing against that deck because it, it kind of can just run all over you if you're not careful. And obviously, like, Dialga is very powerful. It's kind of annoying to set up, but, I mean... Just a free turn, second turn, is very, very powerful in Pokemon. And if there's ways for them to get that online fast and play that deck, you have to respect Dialga, in my opinion. And ironically, <clears throat> the thing about it, right, is that, like, you know, we had, like, Lost Zone Dialga pre-rotation. We had Turbo Dialga pre-rotation. And those, like, in their own right, were really fast decks, right? Like, they got to the Star Chronos yeah. very quickly, very efficiently. I find yeah. it funny to me that... The post-rotation list without Quick Ball, without Metal Saucer, and re requiring and relying so heavily on a Stage 2 Rare Candy combo. In my experience, has ended up being the most consistent Dialga deck. Because <laughs> I've is. played against it so many times where the, literally their first attack on turn 2 is Star Kronos. And I'm just like, how did we get here? What happened? <laughs> it is a little crazy, that's for sure. It's very funny. 
Yeah, so if you're going to test against Dialga Magnazone, uh, go second. Go second in, in your testing. If you win the coin flip at EUIC, go first. But in your testing, go second. If you can <laughs> beat it going second, then you're gonna you're not going to have any problem going against it playing first. But going second is where it really, like that matchup is just really, really difficult. Because they're going to have that turn advantage on you, right? You're not going to have the time to evolve your Pokemon yet. The turn two Star Kronos is a real thing. It can happen. Uh, yes, it so is. if, like I said, like in your testing, if you can beat it going second, then if you go first, like you should just, assuming like you don't break, of course, like you should just steamroll this thing. So just a little, a little bit of a tip there for you, for anybody that's uh, needing to get some last minute testing in. But I am glad you brought that deck up because it is, uh, it's, it's very absurd, very crazy. Uh, one that I want to talk about, I want to, I kind of want to spend a little bit of time on Inteleon Urshifu. Uh, this deck has actually been doing way better in online tournaments than I thought it was going to. Um, it's kind of been seen as a tier three deck in Japan. Like it's seen some moderate success, but nothing too crazy. Um, the idea using Inteleon V Max's double gunner ability to start spreading damage counters. And again, this is like ability based damage counter spread, which is very good. Mm -hmm. You know, spreading damage counters, uh, trying to get rid of Manaphy's through a combination of double gunners, uh, Radiant Alakazam Spoons of Pain ability to move damage counters, and then Metacham V's Yoga Loop attack. Knock out the Manaphy, take an extra turn, and then follow up with more double gunners, maybe a Rapid Flow. And just absolutely destroy these boards after, you know, you dispatch the Manaphy, right? So, very powerful strategy. Uh, and quite honestly, outside of Mew, the strategy works against, like, every deck in the format, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. um, you'll struggle with uh, Lugia a little bit, just because, like, their Pokemon aren't as squishy. They're not as susceptible to, like, Rapid Flow shenanigans. It's a little harder to set up Yoga Loop combos. And, of course, they can just hit for absurd damage. Uh, so that matchup is a little scuffed. Uh, the Mew matchup is... I, I'm hearing conflicting reports on this. Like, a lot of lists are, like, running one Drapion. They're like, yeah, the, you know, that matchup sucks. And then, you know, I hear people playing two Drapion. And they're like, oh, yeah, you play two Drapion. The matchup's free. And I've done some <laughs> testing with it. I'm like, I don't know. Like, two Drapion is definitely... Like, two Drapion is definitely the move. Like, otherwise, you're just going to fold to Mew, personally. But, like, you know, especially if people start going towards fusion, then it becomes a little bit more difficult to work around that. And if you don't get set up, you know, the Octillery is not finding you the stadium bump so that you can, you know, use Drapion without having to attach to it or anything like that. So I kind of heard some conflicting reports on it. General consensus is, is that as long as you have two Drapion, the Mew matchup is free. I'm not sure if I agree personally, but it is what it is. Um... But so all at that point, that leaves us like Gardevoir, right? And from my experience, if you can get set up fast enough, then like you don't have to worry about Gardevoir because you'll just knock out all their Ralts before they evolve or their Ralts or the Curlias. Right. It's it's like a matter of like who gets set up first, basically. Yeah, that's a matchup <laughs> where if you're playing uh, Gardevoir, it's very important to be able to get set up fast. I, I agree. Those it's rare candies. Yeah, it, it's basically just a race off. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and I, I think it's a really cool deck. It was one that I was testing for a little bit, but 
Um, very similar to Miraidon, your engine is just like research and pray, right? Like you've got yeah. you've got the Octillery, you got Rapid Strike Search, right? Which is going to help you pull your combos together. But like, you know, the combo requires non-Rapid Strike cards, most namely, you know, like your Water Energies and the Radiant Alakazam. We don't have Capacious Bucket anymore. Uh, you know, you've got Iridas and Arvins, right? But like, you just kind of have to hope you tr- not only draw into the pieces you need, but draw into them in the right order too, because like, you need so many pieces. The best draw supporter for the job is research, right? So if you like draw them in the wrong order and you're like, well, got to discard this with research to get this, you know, it's just like, uh, yeah. It's, it's just one of those feels-bad situations, you know? It can be really rough, just depending on how you draw. Yeah, because it's like you need multiple Inteleon down turn one. You need Remorade down turn one. Ideally, you'd like to also get an Urshifu down. That way you can just have that threat there, because there are a lot of decks that really get really scared when they see an Urshifu V with an energy attached to it. Right, like mm-hmm. that just puts on an unbelievable amount of pressure, especially for these one prize decks or these decks that are very heavily one prized, like any loss zone variant, for example. So, you know, but like that's a lot to ask on the first turn of the game for a deck that has no way to really draw into that stuff because again, we don't, you know, that there's no there's no draw engine, there's no crowbat, there's nothing to help you see additional cards on the first turn of the game. It's just, like, really rough, man. Yeah, definitely. It's, uh... It doesn't feel that great from what I've seen. Uh, I mean, it's not bad at all. But, it, like you said, it can be really rough. Trying to do all that so quickly, just when Lasso Box, you know, can, yeah, yeah. can just do Lasso Box things in half the amount of time. It, it's very rough. I have to agree. Yeah, for sure. Now, that being said, I actually think it's probably a really good call for EUIC just because there's so much loss zone box hype right now that, like, yeah. if you can kind of get comfortable with the deck, if you can figure out the perfect balance of supporters to get that setup going, of course, like, you know, ball search cards and VIP passes and stuff like that, like, if you can find, like, the right the right 60, I think it's an incredibly strong deck for EUIC. Because its matchup spread outside of, like, Lugia is, like, phenomenal. Right? So... Yeah. I think if you can crack that code, I think I think it's a good call for EUIC, personally. Uh, yeah, I can agree. Is there another deck you wanted to mention? Uh, I think the, really the only other one that I've been keeping my eye on is uh, Hisui and Gudra. Okay, I... yeah, the Goo! Yeah, I think the Goo's actually uh, in a pretty good spot right now. I've been thinking about building it and trying it out. But, uh, I mean, it's been performing pretty well. It, I think it was performing okay in Crown Zenith, but I think I think the Goo uh, has a little more room to shine now here in the Scarlet and Violet era. I don't know what your thoughts are. I've kind of gone back and forth on it, because um, I do agree, like... For the same reasons that, like, Inteleon Urshifu is kind of, like, in an okay spot right now, I think Gudra is as well. Does a lot of people hyping up the Lost Zone box and, you know, things of that nature. Uh, And, you know, Gudra's heavy damage reduction. I mean, 80 damage reduction is nothing to scoff at. That basically... And, I mean, it's good into a lot of matchups, right? Like, Lost Zone box's damage output is not, like, the greatest, so that definitely hurts that matchup a lot. 
Uh, it prevents Gardevoir from doing these major uptrading plays uh, in a lot of scenarios. Uh, prevents Giratina from, you know, just straight up one-shotting you with Lost Impact. Of course, they still have Star Requiem, which is kind of where my back and forth comes from, but it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, the the only other thing that, like, kind of gets me about, like, Lost Zone Gudra, uh, and I, I mean, I'm assuming you're talking about Lost Zone Gudra, right? Yeah, yeah, I think that's uh, definitely the most viable way to play the deck right now. Sure, sure. Um but like another thing about like the Lost Zone Gudra is I think like this Lost Zone deck more than any other deck kind of like suffers the most from the scoop up net loss because you know Lost Zone box is still like pretty fast pretty consistent like you're still getting stuff into the Lost Zone fairly quickly even without scoop up net but like it's a little bit slower and I think Gudra feels that more than any other Lost Zone deck because you're just kind of mm-hmm. like if you lag behind even just a little bit, like you now just have this this Gudra that's like sitting there, right? That can't, yeah. you know, it's struggling to get powered up. And if you're not powered up, you're not attacking, you're not attacking, you're not taking less damage, which is, you know, obviously a problem. That gives people the advantage to get the KO before you even had a chance to take advantage of it. So, definitely. And of course, it also doesn't help that like Lost Zone variants are like playing play sets of escape rope now to just like nullify the effect entirely, but that's that's a different story. Um, so i think like it's definitely very good uh Mm -hmm. it's definitely very good i think it's in a very good spot right now i think if you want to play it now is a great time to play it but i think people are going to adapt to it pretty quickly and it's just kind of gonna it's still gonna be very good even after the adaptations happen but it's kind of like gonna fall back into the niche but good kind of category you know what i mean yeah i have to agree uh i do think EOIC is a great time to play it because people's eyes really aren't on it right now. So, yeah. I mean, if you don't really want to play any of the BDIF or, you know, a different variant of Lost Zone itself, I think Gudra is a very good option. Because, like you said, I think it can play pretty well into Lost Zone too, And it doesn't really... I don't think it really has too much to worry about matchup-wise outside of that. Like you said, it can play well into Gardevoir. Uh, Archaeops isn't really... Lugia Archaeops isn't really too big of a threat to it. Mew, I don't think you're really too worried about Mew either. I think it's a pretty safe option, yeah. Yeah. Um, like I said, like I think like your Giratina matchup's a little scuffed, and personally, I don't like the Mew matchup for Gudra Lost Zone. That's just me personally. Mm-hmm. Um but it is what it is. I do think it. I, th- I do think it is solid uh, right now for sure, and will likely continue to be a pretty niche pick, very similar to how it is in the Kron Zenith format. Now, the few yep. final decks that I want to cover before we kind of wrap things up here. Want to talk about Arceus variants? We all know I love Arceus here. Got to talk about it. Um, Arceus has kind of kind of similar to Urshi and Teleon has kind of like hit the ground running. On our side of things, uh, Arceus Giratina has done pretty well in the online tournaments in our space, has done uh, fairly well in the uh, Asian areas of uh, Pokemon very recently, getting like four top 16 placements at like a recent Thailand tournament or something like that recently. Like it's been doing very well recently. And for good reason, I think Arceus Giratina is basically the new age Arceus Duraludon. You know, you get your Arceus, you power up a Giratina, power up another Giratina, and then, you know, you've got these guys just going big swing. Uh, it doesn't have a weakness, so it's just dealing 280 damage unchecked. 
Um, most decks in the format aren't going to be able to one-shot it necessarily. Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, it's just your classic Arceus Judge Path deck. you got to playset a Judge, playset, maybe not a playset of Path, but at least like three, four Path. And you say, okay, I've got these giant nuclear bombs over here, ready to just one-shot all of your Pokemon. Uh, I hit you with Judge, I hit you with Path, you have four cards in hand, draw for turn, no abilities, how do you respond? If you have a response to that, great, you're probably going to win the matchup. If not, Mm -hmm. then they're just going to steamroll you, right? I think it's a very strong deck, um, just in general. It's got some tankiness to it, too, with Guard energies and some list playing Radiant Gardevoir. A little bit of immunity if you decide to play Flying Pikachu, which uh, basically solos the Lugia matchup, which is very funny. Um, you know, it, it's got a lot of tricks up its sleeve, right? And, you know, if you're playing into, like, one-prizers, like, uh, Lost Zone Box, or, you know, basically most of Gardevoir, um, you have the ability to kind of forego the Giratinas and lean heavier on Arceus with, like, a Sherrod's Care package. And again, you know, just the standard Judge Path stuff. Uh, I mean, Arceus, in and of itself, can deceptively is like deceptively tanky without really like much investment you know what i mean like it's it's a deceptively yeah. difficult pokemon to deal with sometimes especially yeah, when agree. you're being judge pathed <laughs> yeah i can agree with that uh outside of arceus giratina the only other notable arceus variant that i've seen running around is like this arceus glade using the glade from astral radiance a stage two with the buddy catch ability allowing you to search your deck for a supporter uh, basically, our new age Arceus Inteleon, since the Inteleon engine is rotated, uh, you use the Curlia engine and then eventually evolve into Gallade, which allows you to search your deck for any supporter. And then you just kind of rely on Arceus. You can kind of take a toolbox approach to it, maybe throw in some other Pokemon V. Uh, we've seen, uh, you know, some Flying Pikachu, some Vulpix, uh, Espeon, uh, even Delphox V, which is a personal favorite of mine. Uh, some interesting stuff. It did get uh, one top 16 finish at that same tournament in Thailand that I mentioned earlier, uh, but has not really seen much play since then. Um, it's kind of a it's kind of a more fringe Arceus variant, but one that I've been testing a lot, one that I very much enjoy. I think it's a lot of fun. Uh, you know, it kind of evokes those old Arceus toolbox feelings, which you which you all know that I'm about. So. Uh, good stuff there, Josh. What are what what are your opinions on Arceus variants? Have you seen like any other Arceus variants uh, seeing play or potentially being more successful than the ones I've listed? Uh, no, those two are actually the only two variants I've run across. I've I'm I'm not gonna lie, my eye hasn't really been on Arceus. I do love Arceus, and uh, I have a great deal of matter of respect for that card, but it's just. <clears throat> I don't know. I think it's kind of struggling to find to find its place right now. It's yeah, just, I, uh, uh, I I don't disagree with that. I think, I mean, I used Arceus as our as the example earlier for decks not having like turn one draw with things like Crobat V, and I think personally, like Arceus feels that harder than any other deck in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, Quick Ball being gone. Uh, you know, not having like turn one draw as an option really anymore, it, it it hurts a lot more than you would initially think it would. Just because you know Starbirth is so powerful, it's uh you want to just assume you know 
that it's still a really good option, which I definitely would not say it is bad, but compared to a lot of its older variants, it's a lot rougher than it used to be. Even trying to use that buddy catch Glade list, which in my personal opinion is the best way to play Arceus right now. Okay, yeah. Uh, no, I, I, I absolutely agree. Cause if you think right, like back to the, even back to the brilliant stars format, you know, you go back and listen to some of our earliest episodes of the podcast. Uh, you know, we started a little bit before brilliant stars came out. Um, even back then we were saying, yeah, if you're playing Arceus and you miss turn one energy, like you're gonna have a bad time. Like, yeah. It, it just is what, cause now, you know, then it becomes like, okay, well now I got to attach DTE to this Arceus v evolve the one on the bench if you found v star turn two and then use trinity charge instead of you know being able to go in with trinity nova and it's just like dude that's like the worst feeling in the world that's like an immediate like oh i missed turn one energy okay my momentum is immediately gone right and you know especially with like you know now that arceus decks are kind of coming away from like the water type thing you know, because there's not, like, any great water-type Pokemon to pair with it anymore. Um, yeah. You know, you, you kind of lose Melanie as an option. I suppose, like, in theory, you could just play Arceus Gallade, but with water energy and just, like, I don't know. Try Then you then it gets, like, a little awkward, right? Because then you're like, okay, well, I'd still like the Psychic Energy to attack with Gallade because Gallade's... Like I said before, Gallade's Swirling Slice Attack is not bad, right? Like, 160 yeah. HP... Stage 2 Pokemon can be pretty difficult for some decks to deal with, namely Lost Zone Box, and it's also hitting for 160, like, and, like, moving an energy to, like, maybe an Arceus that you'd rather attack with later or whatever. Like, that's a really good attack, and I think, like, if you're building Arceus Gallade, you shouldn't pass up on that, me personally, right? So it's like, okay, well, if you opt to do that, then you're running, like, the water and the psychic energy, but the water energy is literally only there to open up a Melanie play in case you miss turn 1 energy, which is valuable, don't get me wrong, but... You know, then you think, oh, okay, well, we don't have Quick Ball, so the only way to discard it is with, like, a Retreat or with Ultra Ball, which you may or may not always find. And it's just, like, I don't know. And again, like yeah. I said, like, there's not, like, great Water-type attackers for Arceus, so it's literally mm. only there for that, you know? And that kind of limits you if you want to take, like, a Toolbox approach and include things, uh, you know, in include other Pokemon like Delphox or Raikou or, you know, whatever. Uh, so it's just, like... It's a slippery slope, um, but, you know, all things considered, if you come up against, like, an Arceus Gallade that just, like, just has the nuts in the opening hand, like mm -hmm. an Arceus, maybe a Ralts, maybe an, a second Arceus energy in hand, and a, you know, it, it, and out to V-Star the following turn, like, you know, things could get dicey, because, like I said, like, like Arceus is a deceptively difficult Pokemon to KO sometimes. Definitely. And, as far as V-Stars go, I think probably is the best V-Star against, like, Lost Zone decks. Just because, like, Lost Zone decks, again, typically just have a difficult time dealing with Arceus. Yeah, I mean, just, there is that level of consistency that Arceus, you know, itself brings. Just because, you know, being able to search your card, or search your deck for two specific cards will always be insanely powerful. Yeah. It's potentially a get-out-of-jail-free card. Like you said, it's a lot more work to get that online, but what if you can get that online and it's fast, you're in a pretty good spot just because you can grab whatever pieces you're missing for whatever combo you need. It's still very, very good. I would not... Uh, 
I would not say you can just like ignore Arceus as a deck itself, but definitely I think it's uh I think it's struggling to find itself. Yeah, for sure. It uh just needs a little bit more help. Still definitely viable, but sometimes needs a little bit of a consistency boost, which is weird to say about Arceus, but it just kinda is what it, it is. It is what it is, and I think kind of as we get further into the format, I'm sure we'll start getting same some newer uh, draw engines, and who knows, one might pair a lot better with Arceus than the options we have right now. I mean, we already have Squawkabilly EX on the horizon, which is going to yeah. help out all these decks that have no turn one draw, like, very much. So, definitely looking forward to that, especially for Arceus. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that is going to be in the next set, so <laughs> unfortunately we have to wait. Well, I think that's all the decks we wanted to cover here on this meta discussion. So to round things out, Josh, I'll ask you this. All right. Your flight leaves today. EUIC, you know, 12 hours after you get off the flight. Give me some decks you'd play. If you were like metagaming, what is your, your meta call? What is your comfort pick? And... What's your meme pick? Like, what's what's that crazy out there? No way this will work. But if it does, think of the Twitter clout type deck pick. Like, what like what are those three decks uh, that you would take to EUIC? If I was trying my hardest to win in comfort zone, it would have to be Giratina, just because. I mean, it is BDIF. Uh, it's a deck that I'm very comfortable with. I've been playing it since you know Lost Origin, uh, and like you said, it like has not changed at all, really. So I'm very comfortable with that list. Uh, my personal favorite list, I would have to probably pick, you know, I'd pick Gardevoir. And the only reason I'd probably actually take Giratina over that is just because of the comfort level. Uh, I don't quite feel comfortable enough with myself to pick up a deck that I've been playing for less than a couple weeks and go try to run a big tournament with it, which I don't think it would actually be nearly as bad as I imagine it would be in my head. You know what I mean? I know you actually did that scenario not that long ago. Sure. And yeah. I believe you told me that uh, you actually, like, were pretty proud of yourself because you played, you know, you were able to play a lot better than you kind of initially, I guess, thought you were going to, yeah. if I remember your story right. Yeah. So I think some level of that just comes to do having the confidence in yourself to play a deck, you know? But, uh,. If my meme pick, and I don't even know if you would really count this as a meme pick, because I do think it's viable, uh, Dialga Magnazone, that's 100%. Like, if I was just going to, like, have fun, that's what I would take. Absolutely respectable. Respectable picks, for sure. <laughs> uh, on my side, I, I, I absolutely agree. If I'm, like, metagaming this and, like, you know, was, like, statistically trying to give myself the best chances to win, I would absolutely just play Giratina Lawson Box. Like I said, like, I just think the deck is absurd. I don't think there's, like, any, like, actual counterplay to the deck, you know? Yeah. I, I, you know, I, again, when when the when most of the competition's best chance against the deck is to spam Judge and Prey, like, I feel like you've probably got a really good deck there. Um, I just think it's absurd. I think it has favorable matchups into just about everything. Um, you know, you might struggle with Lost Zone Box a little bit, but otherwise you just, like, don't lose to anything. Maybe Urshi and Teleon, but I don't, ex you know, it's whatever. Um, comfort pick, uh, I'd probably go with Arceus Gallade. It's what I've been testing a lot recently. 
Um, again, I just like Arceus decks. I'm very comfortable playing Arceus. Uh, I, I feel like I, as a player, have very much learned how to pilot just Arceus piles. It's just what I've been doing for a very long time now. <laughs> uh, it's just, you know, it's just what I do. Yeah. And if I were to just, like, go with a off-the-wall meme pick that I knew for certain was probably not even going to get me to day two... It'd probably be Big Pig, Winklone X. <laughs> Listen, I absolutely love Big Pig. I think it's a cool deck. I think it's a fun deck. And I think it's kind of good. But, mm-hmm. like, you just kind of get griefed by any and all awesome decks, in my opinion. And uh, when that happens, uh, no, it's not. You can't. You, you're not going to win. <laughs> <laughs> but it is. It, but it is fun, for sure, so. Definitely. All right. I think that's going to wrap it up for our EUIC discussion as well as episode 30, I think it is. Sure. Episode 30. <laughs> it's, it's episode 30. I looked it up after. Oh, perfect. Uh, oh, I'm yeah. so good at this. Yes. Either way, that is an episode in the bag. In the bag. I want to thank everybody for listening as always. Again, I apologize, uh, you know, for, you know, we missed... That episode two weeks ago, just life got in the way, but we're back, we're on track, and I want to say thank you to everyone that uh, tuned into our most recent episode. Uh, you know, at, at this stage, it was uploaded about a month ago, but has uh, very quickly become our most listened to episode, finally beating out the Gym Leader Challenge episode six. Uh, I didn't think that would happen anytime soon, but uh, I guess people are excited for the brand new format, excited for Scarlet and Violet, so... Uh, you know, if you're a new listener, thank you so much for uh, hopping on with us. Hope you enjoy the ride. Hope you're listening to this episode and future episodes. We'd love to, we'll love to have you along for the ride. If you want to keep the conversation going with us, check us out on Twitter uh, at Damage Counter, Damage Counter Podcast at gmail.com. If you prefer email, we do read the email. Our 60 card showcase for this episode was submitted to us via email, so we do read it. And of course, come and join us in our community Discord. Links to that are in the episode description. We're always in there talking about shiny cardboard, talking about the new cards being announced and things of that nature. And of course, if you want updates on anytime we upload YouTube videos or anytime a podcast episode goes live, not only do we post it on Twitter, but we post it in there as well. So definitely join us in the community. And on my side of things, you can follow me on Twitter at EmmerDCP. That's E-M-E-R-D-C-P is in Damage Counter Podcast. And you can find me at smiling underscore anarchy. And uh, I think that's going to about wrap us up. So I want to thank everybody for watching. And uh, we'll see you in the next episode. Talking about EUIC. I'm excited to see what happens.